If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump. Mind first, Pump. For the first 50 minutes, Adam, Justin, and I. 50 minutes. Have our wow, introductory current events conversation. I talk about pumping iron in 1975, Gold's Gym. Classic. Wow. Oh, such a great time. It's probably the fifth time you brought it up. Uh, we, t- <laughs> we talk about the last breath of Blockbuster video. I didn't even know these things still existed. <laughs> I had no, I, it's crazy. Great find no by Justin there. We talk about Boom. China's social credit system to be implemented in 2020. Oh, Black Mirror's here. Scary. <sighs> it's playing out. We talk about low-calorie sweeteners and metabolic damage. New study just came out. Uh, we talk about Justin's St. Patrick's weekend, or basically what he remembers from that weekend. Hi, Titi. <laughs> and we talk about my religious adventure <laughs> again. <laughs> You're so enlightened these days. <laughs> we also uh, we mention in this episode our sponsor, Organifi. They're the makers of organic protein powders and supplements, like the gold juice, which is great for anxiety and stress. If you go to OrganifiShop.com, enter the code MindPump, you'll get a discount. Uh, and then we get in the first question. The first question was, what are our most effective ways to combat internal negativity? So we talk about, you know, uh, actual techniques, exercise, nutrition, herbs, mental states. Uh, but we also mention using infrared sauna. Adam has actually found it to be quite effective for helping him with his uh, anxiety and stress. Now, we do work with a company that makes probably the best infrared saunas you can find anywhere. Definitely. Sunlighten. If you go to sunlighten.com forward slash mind pump, you get free shipping, which is usually like, how much is shipping? Like 600 bucks, bro. Dude, you could save yourself $600 if you just use our code sunlighten.com forward slash mind pump. The second question, in one of our episodes, we talk about tracking. How do we recommend people learn how to track without it becoming an eating disorder? Does tracking lead to an eating disorder, or is it just a tool that can make an eating disorder worse? Find out in this episode. The next question was, do we think that entrepreneurship is just becoming the cool thing now, like everybody just wants to do it, or is it uh, something that's good? I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) And the final question, how did we all meet our significant others? I hope we all get it right, by the way. I know our girls are going to listen to this. <laughs> if we mess up any details, we're fucked. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they get the whole sentiment, right? The love. Right. Uh, also, uh, this month, listen, this is like our best promotion ever. Whenever we run this one, people go crazy. Uh, you can get access to our forum for free, okay? All you have to do is enroll in one of our MAPS bundles. Now, the super bundle is the biggest bundle that we offer. It combines several of our MAPS programs and gives you one year of exercise training and programming. In other words, you have your whole year planned out for you, changing your goals, changing your workouts. There's videos in those, demos, workout blueprints, everything's set up for you. Now, if you want an individual MAPS program, here's some advice. If you want to build maximum strength and muscle, that's MAPS Anabolic. If you want to move like an athlete, if you're into functional Fitness, that's MAPS Performance. If you want to sculpt your body or you want to compete like a bodybuilder, physique competitor, or bikini competitor, that's MAPS Aesthetic. Or if you want to work out without equipment, you want to work out at home or on the go, that's MAPS Anywhere. And finally, if you have any pain in your joints or your body or you want to move better so that when you squat and deadlift, 
You get more out of those exercises. That is MAPS Prime and MAPS Prime Pro. You can find all of these at mindpumpmedia.com. T-shirt time! How do we do? How many reviews? 18 reviews. We're giving out five T-shirts. See? Every time we tell people how to do it, they go Well, now, I mean, we've been pushing 20 plus. I mean, we've had some 30s and stuff, so. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So the five winners this week are Emily Fisher, Nasty Mardo, J.M. Hobbsy, The Richie, Cop198123. All of you are winners. Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, and we'll get that right out to you. I sound better, don't I? Uh, you still sound kind of shitty. I sound shitty-ish. <clears throat> I wasn't, I'm not as bad as I was. It's funny, when I get sick, it attacks my my strength. Shitty, shitty, bang, bang. It's <laughs> my voice. It's funny, we got a, I got a, we got a message from uh, a fan, and they're like, you always talk about listening to your body and not pushing it too hard, but then I heard you on the podcast and you sounded terrible because you're sick and you're not taking- <laughs> Boom, your, got you, motherfucker. You're not listening, listening to your own advice. You know, let me tell you something about podcasting. I'm not breaking rocks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Literally the easiest job we've ever done. Yeah, the, the, one of the coolest things about podcasting is I can sit on this couch and talk. Yeah. So unless I'm dead or literally dying- like I can, I can still podcast. In fact, if I'm on a hospital bed and some shit went down, like well, you guys, dude, find even out- if you can't talk, I'm gonna hook you up to one of those, you know, uh, <laughs> Stephen Hawking. So are we gonna be like the computers, the, the Golden Hello. Girls of fitness, like in the next like 40 years? Is that what, what the Golden Girls? Yeah. <laughs> is it? What are their names? Is it one of them Blair? I don't remember their names. Uh, I'm, I'm Golden Guys. Blair. Yeah. yeah. For the next. But no, if some I'm the shit, feisty one. I thought about this like because I have, I think about weird shit like this. Like if something happened and I was terminal, I'm in the hospital and I'm like hooked up to machines. Yeah. For sure, you guys would bring the mobile mics over to me, and I'd put it on and just talk about totally. Yeah, would I talk about just you know speculate? Yeah, farts and fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one of the give only, me a topic. Maybe one of the only jobs that you could do that with, right? That's what I'm saying. Right. So I'm not pushing my body because I'm talking. Okay, yeah. I'm not that fucking sick. <laughs> Jesus Although I will say that I remember when we just did a, it was I think two LA trips ago when we did that one where we did like twelve or thirteen podcasts in two and a half days or yeah, something. Yeah, that's shit. different. It was draining. Oh yeah, yeah. That's very draining. I, I can't different. remember the last time that I felt that exhausted from not doing something literally physical. Yeah. I mean, we sat down yeah, and we're true. just plugged into. That's mo- different though, right? Because it's uh, we were we were going from podcast to podcast. In between them, we're stuck in LA traffic, so it's like an hour in between them. Yeah. Then when you're on a podcast. Adrenaline. You're, you're, you want to be your best. You know, you know, put out your best energy. Mm. So you're doing, you know, five in a, in a day of doing all that. Then, yeah, it does get tiring. Yeah, that was That's totally different. Yeah, that was a different type of yeah, different. But Dude, running, us doing like one episode, yeah. it's about. Dude, you know what I no. did this weekend? What? So uh, me and Jessica were up watching TV and. Uh, besides lay around and be sick? <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Besides do that, we were watching TV and um, I was I was on Netflix. She falls asleep. So I'm like, oh, what do I want to watch on Netflix? You know, she's sleeping, so what am I going to... You know what I hadn't seen in, in like two years? Hmm. Pumping Iron. It's oh, been oh two years. God. It's the longest you've gone. I feel like you always watch that. So it's been two no. years since I've watched Pumping Iron, yeah. like fully from beginning to end. But this time, and it may be maybe because I was a little under the influence. Let's just, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's why I had this thought. I was, <laughs> I'd never watched Pumping Iron, you know, high or whatever. So, Medicated. Yeah, I never watched it that way. So I'm watching it, and this time, because I've seen it so many times, I could literally recite the from beginning to end every word that's said in that thing. I know exactly what's going to happen. Is this time I watched it, 
and I didn't watch the 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 person the main person on the screen. I watched the background. Oh yeah. So I watched all I, I watched all that. of Pumping Iron, but I didn't watch Arnold and and Lou and Franco. I watched all the stuff that's happening in the background, and I paused it and I I got to study Gold's Gym, nineteen seventy five, you know during that era. That gym was shit. It, it was great for this time, but if you look at it now compared to now, what were like, they doing? Like, what bro, kind of exercises. It, first of all, it's a bunch of like it's it's literally a dungeon. It's yeah. small. People don't realize Gold's Gym Venice compared to, to to gyms nowadays. That was a fucking small gym. It was a little gym. They have these. They had benches, a bunch of benches, dumbbells, the barbells. Like when you're doing bench press and stuff. You couldn't unrack one side without the bar flipping over because the bars were close together. Because oh yeah, Joe hadn't Gold figured that out yet. Huh? Well, the so Gold's Gym, most of the equipment in there was constructed by the dude that founded Gold's Gym. Hmm. I think it's Joe Gold, if I'm not mistaken. And so he made a lot of that equipment. So I'm I'm studying the equipment in the background. I'm looking at the cable machines, and then I'm seeing like dudes working out in speedos over here. This guy over there's, you know, got his shirt. It's like totally these these guys over here are barefoot, like n- totally different it's environment. Like chaos. Yeah. yeah, totally different environment from what we would have experienced. And you know how? And I, as I'm watching, it was this, so niche back then, dude. Yes, like, there was, was there was. I mean, you were different if you did that. So different. Yeah, you. Were. It was a weird world. But I, at the same time, as I'm watching this, I'm just like, I wish I could go back in time and work out. <laughs> in that fucking gym, dude. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Especially at that time. At too. that time with all those guys. Like, can you imagine just being barefoot in your gym right now? Like, someone would freak oh, yeah. out because well, all the liability and shit. Lid, yeah. Well, dude, there's scenes where, like, Arnold's doing reps and, like, four other people in the gym are counting for him. Because it's just a small group of <laughs> go, dudes. Go, go, go. <laughs> and they probably see each other, yeah. you know, every day. Arnold was in there twice a day. So he was doing a double split routine. He was hitting each body part three days a week, two or three days a week, three days a week when he was getting close to contest. So yes, Arnold did do a body part split, but he did a lot of frequency too. So he was in there for probably one and a half to two hours twice a day. So he's in there for three to four hours a day working out. These guys are just hanging out. And then afterwards they'd go- They all eat together, right? At the beach. They'd lay out on Uh, the beach and do all that shit. It's crazy to me like when you think about that, like some of the things that, I wonder if they like naturally just did that or if that was stuff that they read and they were like actively trying to do that. What do you think? Well, you have to imagine, so I'm watching the front- Because you're working out on Venice Beach. A lot of it had to be intuitive. I think so too. I feel like it was just kind of intuitive. Well, so I'm watching Franco, uh, the segment with Franco Colombo. So they're interviewing Franco Colombo, you know, that whole famous scene when he, you know, he's moving the car, he's lifting the car and he's punching the punching bag and all his Sardinian, you know, you know, people are watching him in amazement. And he says this one line that I memorized when I was a kid, but I didn't really understand the impact of it. And so he says, in where I'm from, he says, people don't say go to hell. They say, go to California. But it's not because California's hell, because California is like this magical place nobody ever goes. So they say it as if like, oh, get out of here. Go to California. Get at, yeah. <laughs> like, if I, like if I said go to Mars, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. So I think what happened to a lot of these huh. people is they traveled to California and it was like this, like, think about it. Arnold, Franco, they're both from Europe. You've got people from other parts of the country who went to the special place where you could see other bodybuilders. Because Lou, if you look at the gym that Lou worked out at, so that's the other thing. Mm. I'm watching this segment on Lou and I'm looking at this gym. This gym was so fucking narrow that when he's working out, you can't pass, you can't move by. It's like a big hallway is what the gym <laughs> looks like. 
Like that's how small, because uh, he's on the East Coast. Yeah. yeah. And he's the only bodybuilder. Like if you looked at the guys in that gym yeah, while he he's was, working he out. He's totally all alone, huh? By himself. Yeah. When he's working out. dad, right? Look at the guys in the background when he's working out. And they're all a bunch of like, nobody works out. Like it's a, <laughs> he's a fucking cartoon character. Just a spectacle. Everybody's just watching him. Yeah. So, yeah. so these guys go to Venice and it's like this, they call it the Mecca because that's where you can meet other. So I think they were just like, oh my God, it's sunny. It's beautiful. I get to hang out with bodybuilders and work out. Yeah. Let's go lay out by the beach. Fucking cool time. I right. bet you a lot of them were poor too. I'm sure a lot of them didn't have much money. Well, well dude, they, that's why it was so new. Like nobody really knew. Like remember all the cartoons, like all the movies were kind of emerging around like muscular, big muscular like characters because it was like such a novelty back then. Crazy. And when I was a kid, when I watched it, I remember thinking like, oh my God, these guys are so massive and muscular. But now I haven't watched it for two years. So it's like when you separate yourself from something long enough and you watch it again, you kind of see it with new eyes a little bit. So, and I know what pro bodybuilders now look like. And I'm, you know, we're obviously in the industry. So I'm looking at them like, yeah, they were big, but Arnold was six foot and he, he would hit the stage at like 220 something, 230 maybe at his heaviest. That's not that big compared, like bodybuilder now, six foot yeah. bodybuilder will hit the stage at 300 pounds. Now we got turtle shell eight packs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Pretty, pretty epic. So I'm looking at them like, oh, you know what? These guys are, they were big, but they're not nearly as big as the guys are now. They're way more functional. Lou, if you listen to Lou when he's walking towards his gym, and now Lou was a big guy, right? 6'4, 6'5, 275 off season. When he's walking there, he's talking to his dad. And if you listen carefully, you can pick up on what he's saying. And he's like, oh, I think I'm going to start running a mile every day because it's really good for the legs. Like a bodybuilder. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They're, because they weren't, they're not so, it's, it wasn't so crazily, you know, grotesquely. Like up? it was still functional. Like they still. To like, some extent, yeah, right? Yeah, some, some extent. They still wanted to move, you know, yeah, with their muscles. Yeah, that's the thing. It became so isolated. Everything oh, was like, it's just about like building, uh, you know, each individual part. So. It's just crazy. Did Arnold go for runs? I don't remember if I read that. Not or Arnold Lou. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's why I'm wondering if Arnold I don't did. know if he did, but they cardio wasn't necessarily. I mean, I seen they all did dancing, right? They that ballet, was part of it. Yeah. yeah, ballet to learn how to pose. That, that's posing, though, right there. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that that teaches you to pose, which a lot. I mean, I, I feel like practicing men's physique is like being in a ballet. I mean, that's what I felt like. I remember <laughs> thinking like this Prince is and pony. right. I was like, this is not for me right here. That's but hilarious. in quarter turn. But it, it, I think a lot of people don't realize. I mean, you see it now um, on Instagram where people are showing this like flex, not flexed like pictures and looks like so much of the way uh, physiques are presented for magazines and photos yeah. and what we see in TV like. I mean, there. Aside from just lighting and all these other ways that you can manipulate it with filters, the how you present it and how you pose is like uh, is yeah. everything. But man. you know, the, the work ethic that the bodybuilders then had is just because back then it was training was still such a it was still such a secret or like a big part of it. Whereas today, yeah, you have to work out if you're a bodybuilder, but nobody really. It's not about the programming or not about like a oh shit try this out or whatever. It's all about the drugs. Back in the 70s, it still was, and they were pushing the limits of their body because they were experimenting, trying different techniques. And when you watch these workouts that Arnold, especially that scene where Arnold and Ed Corney are doing squats, mm. and Ed Corney is just, he collapses after he does the squats, and Arnold just fucking steps over his lifeless body and, you know, <laughs> re-racks the weight. Yeah. But he's squatting with three plates, so it's not like super heavy, but they're doing like set after set after set of just all this volume. Yeah. 
fucking crazy, man. It was really cool to watch. It's a great movie, man. Dude, you got what's the last time you guys watched I it? I haven't seen it in a long time. It's watch been, it again yeah. and watch it like that. I swear to God, it's so entertaining. I well, I watch it almost every year or two. I'll it's probably been about two for me too. I'm trying to think the last I know for sure since we've had Mind Pump going, I've hundred percent at least watched it at least once or twice. Oh because it, it's a classic. It's in my it's it's in my collection for it sure. It was a VHS for sure. You know it's you know it's <laughs> hilarious? Okay, so like one of the sole remaining blockbusters just closed right now there's a blockbuster there was still open still open. there's three and one of them was up in uh like uh the north pole kind of region yeah, because there's no internet yeah. access yeah <laughs> i did not know that there so was like blo- super depressed this community super depressed like that they closed i had no idea there was still blockbusters out i didn't what know that e- how crazy how, how does that even work if a company files for bankruptcy and they're done and they but they, they still that must be like uh well it's franchise franchise, franchise owner yeah. yes it was still just like keeping the lights on i guess holy shit that's, <laughs> that's hilarious they had like one in texas i think and like two in oh, Doug just pulled up right here <laughs> oh, there's yeah. a handful of remaining blockbusters in the u.s but they're 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 moving closer to the edge of extinction. Right that now. is so funny. Yeah. Do you I thought know, for sure they were I, extinct. You know what I miss about Blockbuster? And, and you know, God, which one did we go to? One hour, one hour drive up, it was called, or something like that in San Jose. You know what I miss about it is that, you know, when you're hanging out with your girl and you're like, hey, what it was like want? an event. Yeah, yeah, Friday you night. Go look at them yes. like physically together. I, that girl. was I can vividly remember and that posters fun. and everything. Very normal yeah. date night, dude. Just yeah. it's Friday night. You go to Blockbuster. You walk around the store for like thirty minutes, looking at all the titles, the new yeah, releases. Maybe buy some you ice cream on the way. Or, yeah, exactly. Some yeah. kind of shitty candy. It's like a big deal. And then because you're totally. there, you're kind of committed. Like you're like, well, you're like, we got. I haven't seen horror in a while. You're like in the horror section. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you see like critters or something. Like, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. But you know, you're committed because you're there. You're like, yeah. we got to rent something. Let's go watch. Now when I'm on Netflix, there's so many fucking choices. Sometimes I don't watch anything. So I'm like, eh, too yeah. many. Whatever. Right. But if I had to drive somewhere, I think I'd probably pick something. You know what I mean? Uh, of course. You know what I'm saying? But think, think of that too, like from the health standpoint, how important uh, that. And I feel like there's so many things, examples of this that we, we start to eliminate that. That process of getting in the car—that that's an experience that yeah. you're communicating to the, your, the person who you're about to watch it with, and you're walking around and you're talking, you're you're, you're moving, you're burning calories, you're you're present with that person while you're doing that. Where with Netflix now, man, it's so easy to turn into you just a zombie. Out, oh, a zombie! Yeah. I mean, even to the point yeah. where fucking Netflix has already suggested to me what I know I'm already going to like. <laughs> and then I'm, plays the next I, episode right, before you even have a chance to right. get up. I have to stop it. Like, oh, I have fuck. To, I was just going to get up. The yeah, most it, amount of work is playing it and then stopping it. And yeah. kids will never know the fucking anger of seeing the movie that you want to rent. Like, it just came out. Like, Terminator yeah. just it's came like out. It's like a box for it, but it's not inside. Yeah, and you... you, you oh, fuck. Now that's just that. the display. Yeah. What's going to happen? What's going to happen yeah, when... Sucked. You know, Netflix, Hulu, all these streaming places start putting out movies that rival our blockbuster movies that are in theater right now. Are we just going to stop going to theater? It, it's all about the experience. I'm pretty sure it's already it will, happening. Yeah, it's yeah. all about the experience. Like, you know, how many theaters now are are, are changing their seats so it's like a yeah. recliner and they're serving food and alcohol. You got to. They're yeah. like, here, it looks just like your house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got you got to do that though. <laughs> but it's gonna, stay home. But yeah. it's it's crazy because you think you, they're putting all this money into to do that, and then you see 
like Netflix, for example, where you can rent some of these movies for three ninety nine or five ninety nine or buy it for nine ninety nine. It's really tough to justify going to the theater and spending a minimum of twenty dollars yeah. with it. You know, even though it's a great experience. I think my you know would be rad. Like I just came up with this idea in my head right now. Probably yeah, just now. It's probably gonna be horrible. All right, well, well, if it's if it's a great idea, we have to edit it out. Yeah, I don't so want to share it. Think about exclusivity. You know, you're talking about watching movies in your house. Like, what if you know, there was some kind of, it was like pay-per-view, but it was like only for like a specific window, like you could watch it. So it was like everybody had to like be at home to watch that movie for then. And then it was like gone. And then, you know, they'd bring it back. And so it's like, you know, the scarcity of it, you'd only be able to watch it, you know, in that one time frame. Mm. Hmm. You know what? You know what you're we'll saying? Leave, we'll leave that in, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Fuck you, man. Not that brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, what you're, you know what you're seeing now is a lot of these movie theaters are doing like, uh, which I think is really smart, just because the the setup is cool. Is like your March Madness or like you know the World Series or like yeah. these big televised event UFC fights. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So a lot of these theaters are selling tickets to come watch these. They're sweating, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you can see them. You can watch the opera. I'm actually going to go watch. You can actually watch the opera at the movies. So like the live opera? No, what? no, 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 no. It's, oh. it's the theater opera, but it's the experience. Okay. So I'm actually go, yeah. Okay. And do that. You would choose that over. Yeah, like, I know. I, I'm, throwing out, I'm throwing out like all these I, cool things. I, don't, I, don't, I basically just gave you my underwear to wedge <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey guys, please. give me a wedgie real Pull quick. this over my head, yeah, please. Yeah. Give me one of those. No, you know what I think? I think my kids' generation will be the will be the generation that kills movies. I really do. Because my kids don't, I mean, your kids, they don't give a shit about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I like the event of going to the movies and sitting down and getting the popcorn and everybody's together type of deal, but- I think kids, as they, when they become adults, they're not going to take their kids well, to the movies. Yeah, I mean, you just like that it's new and it's novel. You know, that's the only reason to go. You know, if you don't, ha- you don't have access to it at your house. That's yet. right. If once they make it yeah. where you have access to your house, what's the reason? Dude, I'm a solo moviegoer, man. It's still a thing for me. Because you like the experience of it. Right, yeah, I do. I get what you're saying. I'm the same way. Yeah. But I feel like we might be the last, because, okay, I'll give you an example. I hope we are. So I get to get more seats, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because I hate sitting next to somebody <laughs> yeah. at the theater. Well, huh? here's what, I, I'll give you an example. So I had uh, this trainer that worked for me at my, my studio, and she's 54, and she was so angry that the, the, the San Jose Mercury newspaper was getting thinner and thinner and thinner and smaller. It used to be one of the number one newspapers in the country and she was so mad but she would still get it and she loved to read it and I sat down with her one day I'm like what are you doing reading the fucking newspaper I'm like all that information you can get online shit the Sanders and Mercury News has an online like site where you could read all the stuff like why she's like I like the experience and the feel and I'm like oh shit it's because it reminds her of like what she grew up with just like us with movie theaters I think yeah. our kids are gonna be like why are you go why are you driving somewhere to spend a lot of money to watch some shit you could watch at home. Yeah. Like, no one's going to want to do that anymore. Well, it's like driving a car. Yeah. Nobody's going to give a shit about driving <laughs> exactly. a car soon. So, there we are. Fuck. You know? yeah. so, uh, so, in 2020, 2020, the Chinese government is going to launch its social credit system. It's actually going to fucking launch it. No, dude. Remember what I told you guys what's about? What's that going to look up. like? Explain that. That's where you... So this is a planning outline for the construction of the social credit system. So this is how the Chinese government is going to give you a score based on your credit, based on the, the, the decisions you make, based on your education, based on the friends that you have in your network and their scores, based on the articles that you like to read, uh, if you play too many video so it's like games. It's like a whole new caste system. 
Bro, and it's a so it and yes, and this is going to be literally. Isn't that like that Black Mirror episode? One hundred percent, totally. Yeah, the ranking, ranking, ranking like system. That. Yeah, some kind of hundred percent. So check this out. So let's say we're friends, right, Adam and Justin? We're all friends, right? And all of us have good scores because because we're good communists. Like we do everything yeah. we're supposed to. We, you know, we don't play too many video games. We we work hard. We, we tell on people good that are wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's say then I'm like, yeah, you know, you start to see me, and, you're, and you guys are like, Sal, what are you doing? I'm like, oh man. I'm going to go do this little protest over here because you guys are going to say, no, don't fucking do that. Your like, score's going to go down. Like you're, you're gonna, not only that, I'm going to fuck my score up, I'll yeah. fuck yours up because you're friends with me. Oh, uh, yeah. So all your friend's you. scores are going to be calculated in your score too. What? Who what you a, hang around what with. What a fucking So nightmare. then people will become ostracized. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a nightmare. Like, like all of a sudden, I'm not returning Justin's phone calls. He's like, "Why aren't you calling me back?" I'm like, "Listen, asshole, you fucking lost your job. I, I can't never hang even out with met you. you. Yeah, yeah, I can't hang out with you until you get a do job." Do you think it'll go that extreme? What do you mean? Yeah, that's what's in the system. Of course, that's what's in there. That's, I'm already reading about it. That's so crazy. Yes, yeah, people. Yeah, they must yes. be worried as hell. Yes, so they already have private versions of this that Chinese people have already voluntarily uh, signed up for. And people are already boasting. Oh, oh, here's and boasting their scores. Like, oh, I got a 500 or whatever that you know, whatever their good scores. Here's the other thing: if you have a good score, because the government controls everything, you get special deals on loans. Mm. You get special deals when you buy things. Of course, you don't have to wait in lines. So wow. when, oh, when you go rent a car, they don't ask. So you. So manipulative. They're not oh. going to ask you for anything because you got an 800 score or whatever your score is on the on this particular. So, so you are literally ranked in society based on whatever I algorithms mean, you, they want. you could almost argue we kind of run we kind of run our system like that in a way without just announcing it all over the place think about it well we do, hierarchies have always existed of course i mean if, if you we don't, do that if ourselves you, if you don't have a good credit score in america bro it's life is fucking tough you know it's really tough oh, if yeah, you're yeah. somebody once you once you fuck your credit up man but 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 here's the difference the difference is you hanging out with me uh, doesn't affect your credit right. score right, or right, whatever. Right, right. So yeah, or, or does it? You know, does it indirectly? Because we we, we sure, talk about it could. you're an, you're a collection or an average of the five people that you spend the most time with, and so indirectly, if you guys are you know if my five fr- closest friends are kind of shit butts. And it's in a sense they they are going to kind of weigh me down, or they are going to in a sense going to going to hurt me in those areas because they're not pushing me to elevate as right. a, as a person. So. I mean, are we kind of already doing well, this? Well, so so there's here's the difference, and this is why it's a problem. The difference is hierarchy ladders have always existed. Like we always, whether you like it or not, you rank people based yeah, on everything. Them, we've seen them in yeah. animals. You rank time. them by the by. You can rank them by their job, their skin right. color, their money, whatever they're wearing, male, female, yeah. their attitude, their dr- the car they drive. You know how much money they earn, what their job is. Like you, you, we all do that, right? The difference is the Chinese government controls us. That's the big fucking yeah, difference. Yeah. So you have a central agency now that can fuck with people or manipulate things to get their populace to do what they want. Yeah. That's the That's scary, scary part. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if, if 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 you walked around and you had a score that was determined by yeah. some algorithm that you had no control over or whatever. That could go bad. Like if that was just an app everybody agreed to or something and like it was just, you know, randomly controlled by everybody that was just using it. No, this is the that'd state. Be different. This is yeah. the state the Chinese state We'll be doing. This I mean, is our twenty twenty? How different though is? I mean, if our credit and score kind of is like Facebook. You know how different is our our credit score? I mean, you. I mean, that's we don't control that. That's based off of some algorithm. Heaven forbid you miss yeah. some credit card payment when you were nineteen years old or it's, some shit. It's, or, it's similar to a credit score, except a credit score is you know it, it is appropriate information for financial institutions, 
but this social networking system that they have is going to rank anything and everything that they want. So if you like, ever... If you have like a lot of Facebook friends, you get extra points. Or less. Mm. Right. Or less. Maybe you spend too much time on social media. Maybe you, you know, maybe you get a haircut. Yeah, what are all the stipulations? Do they have like a, a, a manual that they're like giving dude, everybody for this? Dude, like, if how you, do they even know? What if you type in Tiananmen Square, which is highly, highly, you know, controversial in China to even say, oh, you lost 500 points right there. What if you disagree with the government? What if you, I mean, anything they want, they could fuck with you over. It's just another form of control. It's crazy. That's, yeah, that's crazy. It's and it, scary and crazy. It's for sure being implemented. 2020. Oh, wow. 2020, dude. That shit's going to happen. <laughs> that's crazy. That's real life. This is why communism and shit like that is so fucking scary. It's like, gnarly. Don't ever give that many... <laughs> because, again, it, we're talking about a government that legally has the authority to throw you in jail or kill you if they want to. So that's why it's a problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If, if it's just a voluntary thing and nobody could kill you over it, well, I guess that's fine. You know, up to you. But if it's your government... What happens when you get a really low score? What if one day put it? What, imagine this. Here's a scenario that sounds crazy, but it's not because we've had we have plenty of examples of this in the 20th century. What if the Chinese government comes out and let's say the system has been in, in place now for 20 years? So it's now it's the year, it's the year 2040. Everybody has scores. It's totally implemented in society. And let's say a new leader comes forward and he says, "Look, we need to move China forward. We need to move and advance the people and the." You know the 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 masses are more important than the individual. This is the whole premise behind communism, right? Like the the benefit of the many over the benefit of the few, right? Yeah. And they say, this is what we're going to do. Anybody who has a score under than 150, you are going to be thrown in jail. Like we need you out of society. You are not contributing <laughs> to society. For sure, that could happen, dude. For fucking sure, I'm that gonna could happen. I'm going to buy stock in Fitbit. <clears throat> Because they're all going to be like scoring themselves every day, you know, like anything that has metrics. Actually, someone just told me Fitbit took a big <sighs> shit, bro. I meant oh, to tell you that. Perfect timing. I meant to tell you that. My buddy yeah. messaged me and said, you, and I asked if I was watching what's going on with Fitbit. That was just a couple of days really? ago. The, the old Fitbit down? shit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the Fitbit shit. I don't know what uh, what's going on with because I don't know if the market's just become so competitive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought they were carving themselves out a nice little slice. They partnered up with some of the, the professional teams. I thought that was pretty smart i thought they're giving apple kind of a run for their money as far as aesthetically what it looked like, like mm -hmm. but somebody was just, just some news that came out and their profits or i i don't know or the or the just the, the technology isn't evolving that much like what else are we getting with our fitbit yeah. than what we are getting from our fitbit for you know and real soon here companies like apple and i mean real it's soon all, here i think that's what it is it's all the incorporation like yeah this is the bigger companies are moving in the space finally with google and right apple and, and, yeah. me, and then at that point i think almost every digital watch will yeah. have all, all the all it's going to be in there. It's just like having the flashlight. Remember the flashlight app, <laughs> right. But, right? Dude, how how much would that suck? You're like, I'm killing it. And then like the next year, Apple's like, oh, that's yeah, right. Put so it in that's it. I, and this is me totally speculating. Yeah. I don't know if that's the 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 truth behind what why it's why it's suffering or not. But I would I would definitely speculate. I would think that's, that's what, the worry. Well, it makes sense yeah. because the I mean you, the way we can do things like you can't patent anything really. You know no. what I'm saying? Not with tech like that. I mean you could just reverse engineer it, makes it very similar. And now any any of the tech technology that's really in a Fitbit, what's to stop Apple or every other digital watch for that, making it also a Fitbit. And when they price it from 50 to 100 and something dollars, you can get digital watches for that or less. And then yeah. it may as well have that feature. Well, built even then it. they'll assume, you know, like 
big companies like that, they don't give a shit. They'll just like bring more lawyers, you know, <laughs> they'll just drag it in the courts forever. Right. So it will be interesting to see where, where these guys all shake up in the next few years. Jeez. Uh, new, some more interesting information that came out. So uh, another study came out showing that uh, low calorie sweeteners like uh, sucralose in particular promote additional fat accumulation within cells compared to cells who have not been exposed to these substances. So basically the headline of this is that low calorie sweeteners may promote metabolic syndrome. This was presented at the Endocrine Society uh, recently. More news showing that artificial sweeteners are probably uh, connected to um, insulin resistance, metabolic disease, and that the whole calories in versus calorie out paradigm is not the end all be all. That there is, uh, you know, there's more to... You know, I heard uh, Dr. Hyman, who's a functional medicine doctor, say it actually rather eloquently. He said that food isn't just calories in versus calories out. It's information that tells your genes how to express themselves, tells your body what hormones it should produce and which ones it should be sensitive to and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot more information that your, your body, that food gives your body aside from, you know, proteins, fats, ca- uh, carbohydrates and calories and even in even micronutrients like vitamins there's a lot more that goes to it and uh artificial sweeteners man these low calorie artificial sweeteners are there more and more evidence coming out that they uh, they're not what they're all cracked up to be and it's funny we've been saying this now for 3 years and we've been you know people have uh, argued with us and fought us over this primarily because in fitness so much of fitness is driven by supplements and so many of them are artificially sweet well yeah. when we first started saying this it was hard to find a non-artificial sweetened uh, protein powder. It right. was almost, it was almost impossible. I I, I remember I, I found like one or two, and they were hard to find, and you you know they're really expensive, and everything was with sucralose, and and, I, and it probably over aspartame because aspartame got a bad rap uh, in the '90s and early 2000s, so everybody switched to sucralose, which was not not a great option either. Um, but uh, they were hard to find. Now today, you're seeing more people switch to natural, and we've had a lot of friends in fitness who own supplement companies and we've communicated the same thing to them. Like we've like every single time I talk to them, I'd sit them down and be like, look, start switching over, make your pivot, start making your pivot now because it's going to, when more and more of this information keeps coming out, you're going to have a tough time yeah. making that pivot when people are like not buying that shit at all. You know what I'm right. saying? It'd be really interesting to see somebody's numbers like Joe yeah. Donnelly's who we spoke to almost Two and a half years ago, three years he ago. He laughed. I told him, I'm like, dude, go non artificial He laughed. He's like, ah, nobody wants that. And I'm like, dude, trust me with this organic market market's exploding. People are moving more to that direction. It's a, a matter of time that the fitness industry go there because fitness is tied to health. You know, as as much as it's as, as we try to separate it and say it's aesthetics and people just want to look good, there's an element of health there as well, especially when fitness fanatics get a little bit older. Like, you know, all these kids that are in their 20s who don't give a shit and just want to look good, when they're in their 30s, they start to like pay attention to their health also. And they start to say, oh, wait a minute, I want to be healthy too because that makes me look good as well and it feels better and all that stuff. That's when they're going to move away. And, you know, these the consumers in their 30s, those are the big consumers, they're the ones that have all the money. Right. They're not going to want to buy. I mean, Organifi was, that's one of the reasons why we, 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 we're even listen to organifiers. Like I'm not going to even listen to you if you guys use artificial sweeteners, which they don't. So that's that's you know one of the reasons why we even listen to what they had to say as far as their supplements. Do you think though you're, we're going to see this kind of game of charades though, where 
You know, it reminds me of the the supplement game where you know we used to take like a pro hormone or you know your designer steroid, and you know we would we would put it out there. Then then all of a sudden FDA would get a hold of it because all of a sudden people are telling telling you that oh my god you're getting hormonal changes from this, and then they get their hands on it and they say okay it's banned. And then, then then all they do is they take that and they compound on sure. it, change. Do you think like we're going to see that of because we're already doing it now? Every time I see a new artificial sweetener name pop up, it's one I've never heard before. Yeah. Do you think we're just going to be playing this game of charades? Some new plant, you know, from yeah, some exotic place. Always, you know, at the end of the day, that a lot of them are are um, well, you know. Here's what I think will happen because uh, stevia is the largest. Uh, non artificial sweetener that uh, or the biggest piece of that market, right? That's not artificial. So manufacturers who are like moving away from artificial sweeteners are moving towards stevia. Now, stevia, it doesn't mean stevia is like the safest thing in the world either. Stevia is probably likely much better for you than the artificial stuff. But what they're doing is they're taking stevia and then they're uh, standardizing it and and processing it to shit and calling it something else. And then they can say not artificially sweetened but that doesn't necessarily mean now it's okay is they've taken, cause you can take something natural and process it to hell and turn it into something that isn't great, but still say it's natural. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. So they'll, they'll, they'll do that with, with stevia too. hundred percent. I think they're already doing, it. I think yeah. there's a, I think there's a sweetener called Reb A, if I'm not mistaken, I'm gonna look it up right now just to make sure that is made from, yeah, it's a, it's a glycoside from stevia that is 200 times sweeter than sugar. So what they do is they extract this, it's called Reba, Rebidioside A that they take from Stevia and then that's all they use. But now it's natural because they took it from something and that might not be good either. Like, you, yeah. like There's a lot of things that are natural that if you concentrate the shit out of them, have weird effects in the body. So it doesn't mean you're, in the, you're, in, you're safe just because they said, you know, it's not artificial. It's crazy that all these things, how, you know you start thinking about how we were designed, like how we evolved, how we came a bit, came out to be, and then technology comes around and we have this ability. Like a few hundred years ago, we didn't even have the ability to do this. And so this wasn't a fear or a problem. And it's like, you know, we come out with new technology that allows us to do certain things, like concentrate something to the 200th power. And we're so excited because it's like, oh my God, this means we can make X amount more now. And this means that we no longer have to use this and it'll be taste, it'll taste that much better. And it's like, no one stops to think like, you know, if it wasn't found in nature like this, and that's how we how we've evolved over this entire time, has anyone thought maybe it's not a good idea to consume it like uh, that? Yeah. And then if you are going to, because I'm I'm also the other side of that too. I'm like, well, these are some of the. I think you and I were talking. I'm like, man, it's such a double edged sword that we what, what we where we've come with like food and taste and like man, some things are just so amazing. Like, I, there's nothing. I don't. I mean, I love going to an incredible restaurant. And biting into a steak that's been seasoned right, and sure. it's been it's combined, which is part of which is which is a form of processing, right? right? It mm-hmm. is when yeah. you when you think about it. I mean, we don't eat steak the way we were eating steak a few hundred years ago. Yeah, like, so, you know, there's definitely plain. things that I 100 yeah. percent appreciate. But I think you, I think that's the the takeaway from all this is learning to have balance, and then understanding that much of the engineering behind all this is designed to hijack that palate and get you to not just eat one. Bro, it's the, that's the it's like the existential uh, human condition is that we we discover something and then we go too far with it before we say, oh, I need to moderate this, you know, yeah, or I need to slow down. Yeah, like that's just what we do. We do that with everything. Like we go crazy with something 
you know, and that's all you can look at, you know, weapons, you could look at science, medicine, look at germ theory, you know, we discover germ theory and we're like, oh, if we clean things and, and disinfect them, then we're not going to spread illness, which is great, uh, you know, and then we discover antibiotics. Oh, it kills germs. Let's just fucking prescribe just antibiotics like crazy. And now yeah. we have issues with that. So that seems to be one of our issues. And we've done it with food. It's like we, we started by combining foods and making them taste better and seasoning them and doing that, which is a form of processing. And then we just took it to a whole nother level where you buy a product, you buy a Twinkie, which I don't even know if they exist anymore, but you buy a Twinkie. I think there's one natural ingredient in a Twinkie. One. I feel like they came back. Uh, they might have. What is that, corn? No, it's like uh, <laughs> like banana puree or something like that. It's oh, like wow. one natural- one real Out of the 25 or 30 ingredients that are all- that. Exactly. So, which is like, that's a fucking, it's a marvel of science, that's for sure. <laughs> Can we but talk about how good they are too? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, they hit every, every you're at a sense fried in your one? body. Uh, you had a fried yeah. Twinkie? Oh, I am in the Midwest. Dude, are you serious you've had a fried Twinkie? Oh, yeah. Of course it, you have. It was horribly good. I ate at this place called um, Unami Burger. Have you guys had that before? It's in Palo Alto. No, Mm-mm. they were they, for a second. I, thought I said Punani Burger. I was like, <laughs> Damn, it was super confusing. Yeah, I'm, I'm a inside. regular customer. Ka- Katrina and I were down in uh, Palo Alto this weekend, and we were at this place. And I'm like looking at this place. So it's Unami. So it's obviously um, Asian. And then you have a. It's built. It, it, the decoration, the decor is looks like you're in this uh, this library, and then you've got on the wall this huge uh, cover of the Grateful Dead and shroom, mushrooms and psychedelics. Oh, cool! Yeah, dude, just a real weird, weird combination of things. Yeah. Incredible burger, though. Incredible huh. burger. Are you looking it up right now? Doug? Oh yeah, there you go. Oh, that's fun. You so, guys have to check this what out. What kind of burger did you get? So I got their. Um, California something I forget what it was called, oh, but they me. also I have the they, they, right they do the Impossible Burger there, which is the burger that is like I think soy. I don't know if you can look it up, Doug, where you're at right now, but they have a burger called the Impossible Burger. Oh, so it's a, it's like a no meat burger. Yes, which of course I opted not to have that. I'm like <laughs> I came here I came here for the for the meat, not the Impossible Burger. Dude, you you ever taste some of these conco- these vegan concoctions that are supposed to taste like meat? Oh, they taste. <sighs> I think I did once. It, I mean, you you regretted can, it. You could tell, but. I'm still like blown yeah, away. They match by the, it pretty pretty well. I know. I'm like Jesus. Yeah. What the hell? How did they? The science that went into this fucking food to make <laughs> it taste like meat is crazy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, dude. That's actually where I was heading with this. Was explain that like this the way they make this this burger. It's like you would never ever guess that it's not. You know what? So so I'm, I'm sure I'll piss off some vegans, but that's okay. It won't be my first time. So if you're a vegan because you're against the killing of animals for moral reasons, which I totally respect and appreciate, right. But you also want to create a food that tastes like the flesh of an yeah. animal. Like I don't want to. I don't want you to create. Like I don't want a, a beef that tastes yeah, like how human weird flesh. Is that, right? You know what I mean. I don't want someone to create like a. Hey, this beef we've uh, we've engineered to taste like human flesh. Like oh yes, because I always want to eat a human yeah. flesh, but I can't eat a human because it always made me. You know, it'd be great. Think so weird. Made like weird. a sculpture out of tofu that looked like a cow, and then just like sacrifice it you know <laughs> start making burgers out of it <laughs> that's fucked up that's here fucked you go that's fucked up yeah so you want to hear some more fucked up shit <laughs> yes, yes. ready yes this is probably one of the most infuriating things that congress has done in a long time for me at least so i'll read you the title of the article i don't know if you guys are familiar with uh with with these things that they're trying to pass but the House rejects a bill, so they, they put a bill forward, didn't get didn't get passed. The bill was 
uh, to give patients a right to try experimental drugs. So let me explain what this is. And you guys, let's see if you guys will share the same fury. Mm. The bill was, if you're a terminally ill patient, so if your doctors have- You have a death sentence. Yeah, if your doctors have said, you know, Justin has three months to live, or there's there's no treatments we have, nothing that can help him, he's terminal, he's going to die. That the bill says that you, who have been deemed terminal by your doctor, you have a right to be able to take whatever drug you want to try to help yourself. Okay, and they defeated it. They said no. Oh, they turned it down? Well, the Democrats did. What? Yeah, the Democrats voted it down. Uh, And, you know, both parties uh, have their issues, but the Democrats really fucking love controlling people. Holy shit. They love controlling people. Dude, if they were to open that up, that would give us so much more research and study on all these people that are trying it anyway. Well, bro, here's what the, here's the, here's the, here the bullshit. Here's the statement from the Democrats. Here's the, yeah, here's the statement from the Democrats. By defeating this bill tonight, we protected patients and supported the FDA's continued role in approving experimental treatments that may help save a patient's life. They say that they are protecting the patients from having uh, expectations, like not getting their hopes up. Oh my God. These are terminal patients, yeah. you fuck. I don't think their right. hopes are very high. What are you, what are you protecting? Yeah. We, yeah. You want to save them Thanks, from- Dad. You want to save them from dying? Yeah. They're gonna die, right? How yeah. is that? How is that even? That doesn't make any sense. How is that morally, like, possible to even think? Like, you imagine you're looking at somebody who's got three months to live. All the doctors, have, by the way, have said they. The irony is they're gonna go do it anyways. But now we can't measure it and track it and pay attention to well, it. Well, no. How much better would it be if it was through the hospital? That's right. what I mean. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? That's what I'm, if it's through the hospital, it, again, we could measure it. We could track it. We could like, oh my god, look at all these people that we. You could. All these studies can be done off. Right. Of it. And yeah. if I'm, I don't know about you, but if I'm three months terminal. And I'm looking at experimental drugs that are in the FDA process. I'm looking at experimental drugs from overseas. Yeah. I'm reading studies and I'm like, look, I'm, I'm already going to, I know I'm going to die. I want to try this drug over here because I saw this animal study or whatever. It's my fucking body, first of all. Right. Like, right. fuck you yeah. for telling me, first of all, you, you, you should not have the moral authority to tell anybody what they can do to their body. Think about that for a second. Who owns your body and who owns your mind? Obviously, you don't because there's shit that you get thrown in jail for doing to your own body. It's my fucking body. I'm, I I go to jail for doing so. That alone is fucking ridiculous. But let's add another la- layer of insanity to it. I'm terminal. Like all the doctors in this, my doctor has now said you're gonna die. This he has intractable cancer, whatever. Yeah, gonna die, and I still can't do whatever I want to my body. The government tells me basically, sorry. I, we own you until the day you die, even if that's a month from now. You can't... Fuck you, man. The truth right. of the matter is they're still going to go do it. Right. They're going to go do it still. You know what I'm saying? If they are, but at least this way, if it was... No, bill, I, that's, I agree with if you. If the bill was passed, then their doctors are a part of it. And maybe what would happen, and this is probably what would happen, if the bill passed, then you would get access to all these experimental drugs. Like, the, like mm-hmm. then your doctor could say, okay, since we have no other options and you're terminal... Let's let's let me help you seek out and find mm. experimental treatments that Smells are more like competition it's to fucking me. Fucking bullshit, man! Yeah. I was so angry when I read that because I had a family member that went through something like that, and I remember thinking like, "Wow, you know, there were she became she was able to uh, apply to be in a trial, but she had to apply to it. There was a trial drug, but she had to apply to it. Whatever. I thought to myself like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. She's a terminal." We should be able to give her whatever she wants, even if it's just 
fuck, even if it's cocaine, like, hey, man, I'm going to die anyway. I just want to be happy until I die. Go for it. It's your body. Here you go. Right, right. Don't ask me to pay for it. I get that. Like, right. You pay for it yourself. But it's your it's your body. How crazy is that that they defeated that? It is crazy. Insane. Yeah. That was just recently? Fresh. That was recently. Oh, yeah. I, it feels like a no-brainer, too. I don't know why they would even... Whatever, man. No. no, no, no. <laughs> What'd you do this weekend, Justin? I uh, worked on my house a bit. What else? I went to downtown Santa Cruz for uh, St. Patrick's Day. So, Oh, we, did you green beard up or what? Uh, not really. I mean, just with the kids, we were just kind of dancing around and like, you know, just checking out like what was going on downtown. But uh, yeah, me and Courtney... We had a little bit of that. She made some corned beef and cabbage, and then we had some beers. But, yeah, it was pretty low-key for me, so I wasn't, like, raging or nothing. You didn't drink, Sal, did you? I did not drink anything, and I forgot it was St. Patrick's Day. And then I went to – where were we? Oh, uh, so me and Jessica went down to uh, – we, we went down to Gilroy, the Gilroy Outlets, so I could buy some shoes or whatever. And then um, on the way up, we ate at uh, Applebee's. I haven't eaten at Applebee's in years. Man. <laughs> when was the last time you guys ate at Applebee's? I shared that oh, story Applebee's. with the little. That's when I found the little digital thing on the on the table. Yeah, Remember yeah, last yeah. year when I was like, "You guys know that they have these." Uh, yeah, that, before that, I hadn't been to like. Has a, the food quality improved at all? You know, yeah, it's okay. It's like like yeah. Outback is way better. If you're gonna go that direction, I like Outback yeah. way better. But yeah, I went to we went to Applebee's, and then I'm in there, and I see everybody in like green bow ties and shit. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. St. Patrick's Day. I forgot it was St. Patty's yeah. Day. We went to uh, Katrina's work event. They do this at Boca di Peppo. I think that's the question. Boca oh. de Beppo's. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I, I used to work there. Boca di Beppo. You, you work there? The, yeah. I got kicked out of there. I didn't know oh. you worked there. Yeah, man. I, I worked. I, one of the first ones that opened up in Palo Alto, I was working there while I was at school at San Jose State. Oh, so, no shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Way shit. Way back. That was the one, I think, a long ass time ago on the podcast, I mentioned a story of some some guy that would like come in on roller skates and he would always request my section and uh, he'd bring his buddies. <laughs> it was, they were very flaming. There's oh, yeah. And they oh, really you know, liked me. And they liked you? They liked oh, you know what lot, you're talking yeah. about. Did you flirt with them to get a bigger tip? Of course. Yeah, I'm mean, talking like, about I, not, I not Boca de money. Peppo. What's the, what's the one with the bocce ball? Oh, Bob. Oh, oh yeah. up, you up yeah. in Los Gatos? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. So Buco de Beppo is the is the freaking yeah, chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. When, oh. That's why when Justin said that, I'm like, I didn't know you worked there. No, no, no. Bocce. You went to Campo di Bocce. Campo di Bocce. Oh yeah, that's right. The fucking same shit. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> All you gotta add is a boop and a bam and That's what it is. Yeah. What are you? Do you I had to get at you because the racism you, in here. <laughs> you're coming at my my national holidays. What? Yeah, same pat. Well, it was like whatever. Green <laughs> pet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a big die? deal. What did, didn't they die a river or something? They or? do every year. Chicago, man, that was the. Oh man, what that, the fuck? That was the jam. Is that like is, you're just probably going, terrible for the environment? But yeah, it's like, awesome. What are you guys doing, man? Oh, we just we. Oh, we imagine if you're the it. fish in that yeah. fucking thing. Yeah. Like, oh, what the fuck? Everybody's throwing up in it. Yeah, yeah. it's just food coloring, isn't it? Yeah, it's just food. Coloring. Right. Yeah, there's nothing it's wrong orange. with that. It's orange dye, and they just throw it in there. Is it really orange? It's orange. It turns it green. Orange dye turns to green. Yeah, because it's it's water. It's like kind of got a blue tint to it, right? So it's oh, okay. I know. Science, science bro. Uh, <laughs> you just got. Science. I got for a second. I thought, I thought he messed up. I'm like, no, it's not, Justin. It's green, <laughs> you idiot. And then I got schooled. Uh, There's a lot of people that come down for that, though. It's huge, right? Oh my god, it's a big deal. Like, honestly, that was a big deal. But even in Milwaukee, like people go off there. It's crazy. We went to both one time uh, on a St. Patrick's Day. But yeah, they do it big. It's a big deal. Is it Chicago. one of the biggest in, in that in Boston? Those are two oh, biggest. Right. Yeah, Boston's I think is bigger. I've never been to the Boston one. I, I would love to do that one time. 
Because just to compare it, you know. Just a bunch of angry white dudes just, getting fucked just up, right? Just a bunch of fucking... <laughs> a bunch of house of pain. Just, just drunk <laughs> and assholes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. House of pain all day. A <laughs> bunch, bunch of sunburns. Yeah. <laughs> sunburns and, yeah, gurgly throw up. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Hey, so I've been doing... You know what else I was doing this, this weekend? God, I love the internet, man. You can learn anything you want. So I'm like on this kick of learning the 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 histories of religions so i was on youtube just going crazy and there's some incredible speakers on the different religions that you want to learn on wow, you need people showing up at your door no <laughs> <laughs> hey yeah. i saw you were looking this up can they track it yeah, yeah sure. no but it's it's great because i don't want the like i'm not trying to you know get converted or anything i just want to know the history right yeah and i found this guy on um youtube bishop Baron, I think his name is. Maybe Doug could look it up. I hope I'm right. Sounds like a badass. So, no, he's a super charismatic priest. Mm. And he did this series called Catholicism, which uh, is- Was he the same one who interviewed or did a yeah interview with um, uh, Sam Harris? I don't know. Maybe. Kind of o- older, heavy set guy? No, not- White no. hair? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, okay. Sorry. But super charismatic dude. And so he, he's talking about the history of the of the Christianity, you know, Christian religion- Really, really good job. He did such a good job, and uh, and it's just fascinating to have access to something like that. So I'm diving deep into that. I'm going to go into Buddhism next, and Hinduism, and Islam, and Judaism, and but I just love that I can do that because before it would have been you know it would have been much more difficult. I would have had to go to, you know go gone to the library and much more difficult. But I or sat hear, there it with, hear it from somebody who has a bias, right? Or just trying to convert me, right? You're right. not going to you know the harder you push, the harder I'm going to push back. <laughs> I just want to learn. I just want to learn the history of all these things. But yeah, really, I hope that's his name. Now, when you do when you do this, is this kind of like your time where you just kind of plug in, put headphones on, and sit by yourself? Or you, you know, dude, one of the things I I love uh, there it is. Is that is his name Bishop uh, Bar- uh, Bishop Barron? Barron. Yeah, dude, this is a great uh, professional it's a, website. It's there. a fucking great. He's like super charismatic. He's made for social media. I'm watching this. I'm like, dude, if you weren't a priest, you know, this guy's like super talented. But anyway. I'm I one thing I love most about my relationship with Jessica is that she has the same insatiable thirst and annoying cuz I can be very annoying when I get on a topic cuz that's all I want to learn uh you know quality of like finding a topic and then just becoming obsessed with it she's the same exact way and luckily we're in the same shit so we're both hanging out and you know uh, we got home and we had some time and she looks at me with this like look on her face and she's like hey I'm like what she's like you want to learn more about like religions? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I could like make love to you right now. So that's what we did. <laughs> Actually, we had sex first. Is very you know normal. why? Because yeah. I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, you gotta get out all the demons. First yeah, you don't want to feel guilty. Yeah, right. I don't want to feel weird. <laughs> exactly. He's like, let's get the sitting out of the way real quick first. I don't, I don't want to feel oh, weird. I can see clearly again. <laughs> I, you know, remember, there's still there's still that 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 deep, you know, like uh, you, you know, hardwiring you get when you grow up, right? I don't want to. Yeah. After watching this half set, although it could make it more exciting now that I think oh, about God. it. Oh, we're sinning. Get like a hand job in yeah. the pew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh God. dear God. Bird, save us. No! This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Maddie Lee 217 
What are your most effective ways to combat internal negativity as it relates to anxiety? Oh, wow. I think, hmm. I think the first step is, is being aware of it, right? I think sometimes people become overwhelmed by all that stuff and they don't even realize. It real- just keeps amounting and adding up and adding up. Right. You, uh, I think you, we get so caught up of looking like right in front of us versus like the big picture of things and you get, you get overwhelmed by it and then it just compounds. Mm-hmm. So I think the first step is to com- combat it is to have awareness that it's that it's even happening, mm-hmm. right? So- yeah. The way I look at it is is so being sad or depressed or anxious or stressed those are all natural um, things that we feel. They're all emotions and they're all there for a reason. So the, and, and the reason why I'm saying that is, you know, I went through a very, very, very challenging, I went through a few challenging times in my life, like back to back, all culminating and ending with this, with a divorce. And it was very, very stressful. And part of me is almost like, I can't be negative. I have to be positive. I got to be out of this thing. So it's like, I'm fighting this feeling because it's bad and I can't be in this feeling, which I realized added a layer of negative to the negativity. Mm-hmm. So now, not only do I feel bad for a, a, for a real reason, like if you go through a divorce and you feel bad, well, it's not because you're a depressed person, it's because you're going through a divorce, right? If you're terminally ill or something bad happens or you lose your job and you're sad, you're sad for a reason, something really happened to you. What you don't want to do is feel sad or angry or bad about feeling sad or angry or bad. That is a sec- second layer. And I, I was doing this to myself. I was feeling bad for feeling bad. And that was causing a lot of problems. And it actually prevented me from actually dealing with why I was feeling bad in the first place because all I was focused on was feeling bad, the fact that I felt terrible. And I had to learn that the only way on the the, the only way to get to on the other end of something like that was to go through it. I couldn't avoid it. I couldn't you know, positive my way out of it. I had to allow myself to go through it and not judge myself for feeling these ways. And once I was able to do that, a huge portion of the anxiety and stress that surrounded feeling bad was lifted. And part of the reason why I felt bad was I felt like I was letting everybody down mm. around me. My partner, like, oh, fuck, I'm depressed or I'm, or I'm anxious and they have to deal with me this way. So now I'm adding a layer on top of that. Oh, fuck, my partners, my business partners. I can't do, I can't be my normal self. That's going to suck. And that adds another layer on top of it. And, you know, all these, you know, my kids and all these other things. And so I had to understand and learn that it's, I I have to let myself go through it and deal with them in order to get on the other end of them. Yeah, that's interesting because most people want to redirect that feeling, you know. They want to distract. Yeah, they want to do, like, that's something that uh, they know is there. Like, so they are... Um, aware that that's there, but it, but they're going to try to avoid you know, it, avoid it, or just be more positive as a result. Like that's going to uh, eliminate it. Which really, what you're doing is you're not dealing with it directly. So. Well, you know, I know it's cliche to say this, but there's no such thing as big problems. Only problems that we make big, right? And it's funny when you start to unpack these things that give us all this anxiety and all this negativity. And it's like you talk about divorce, you talk about losing your job, you talk about these things, but. Really, when you when you unpack that, like, why is that such why is that such a big deal? Why is that a bigger deal than any other hard time or struggle in our lives? And is it really that hard? Are you going to die? You're not going to be able to. Are you not going to? Sometimes be able to, you might. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? But I think that people get so overwhelmed by these things that, and when you compare it to hundreds of years ago, 
like people would laugh at us if that's what we like what we're we're allowing to create all this anxiety and depression and anger or hurt or cause suicide and do these things it's like oh my god it's like is it really like we i feel like we've formulated this expectations of what life is supposed to be like for us and i think when they don't live up to those expectations we freak out and we mm. freak out and i so i think when you have these moments these are the, the these are the times to look deeper into yourself and why do why does this bother me? Like for example, let's use losing a job because that could just be devastating for so many people, right? You've been in a career ten years, you own a mortgage, and all of a sudden you lose your job, and oh my god, how do you deal with a situation like that? Well, first of all, why do you identify with that being what makes you you? Because you you work for somebody else who provides an income, who then you prov- help you pay Isn't off. Isn't it most anxiety and stress is based off of like who you identify yourself to be and like how that's attached to that. For sure. Yeah, that process. For sure. And so I think when we have these moments of negativity, I I think the the more negativity or the more hurt or the more pain it is, the more it's something that I need to dig deeper into. It's like, whoa, like why why does this negging me out so much? Like this is an opportunity for me to dive into to me and where in an area that I can work on and I should never identify with all these other uncontrollables mm-hmm. in my in my life. Yeah, and there's you know there's also the perspective of uh, okay, so I have this situation that's happening to me that's not controllable, which these are usually the things that uh, bother us the most or the things that we don't have control over, right? So I have this illness or I lost my job or you know you have you have may have some control over it but you you guys get what I'm what I'm trying to say here. So you have this thing that's happening to you and you now you're really stressed out and sad and anxious about it. If you want to now handle and, and tackle the challenge that is now placed in front of you, the version of you that is most likely going to succeed and come out of that is the version that isn't saddled with all this anxiety and stress. And what I mean by that is I can look at my situation and be like, well, fuck, I lost my house and I lost my job. Now, I know what I need to do to survive out of this. Uh, Me sitting here and feeling shit and terrible about myself and judging myself over it and, and, and adding layers upon layers of how I feel about myself over this isn't going to, it's only gonna make it harder for me. I know what I need to do, so I'm gonna choose to do what I need to do and acknowledge how I feel. And that's it. Like, so this came to, I had something similar, very small situation happened the other day. I was driving, I was supposed to be somewhere and out of nowhere, like dead stop traffic on the freeway. And it's in, it's, it was during a time when there was no traffic. So I didn't anticipate having to take a long time to get somewhere. I gave myself 10 minutes cause it took 10 minutes to get there, but I was dead stop traffic. I could see lights in front of me, freeways closed. And I'm like, fuck, like I'm for sure going to miss this appointment. And I started getting really pissed off. And then I stopped for a second and and stepped outside of myself, observed myself getting angry. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to miss the appointment. There's nothing I can do about that. Being really angry about it doesn't feel good. So why don't I just stop? Like I'm here anyway. What, what are my options? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm here anyway. So I might as well put on a podcast and just chill because I have no other choice. Change your perspective. My other choice is to be really pissed off. Change your perspective. Yeah, That's all so, you did. And, it, and it, it, it makes a uh, it makes a tremendous difference. The other thing too is you want to there are you you also understand that your emotional state sends a signal to your body for actual things to change in your body f- for it to become a physical state. So 
I can think of something that brings me anxiety. My body responds by producing stress hormones and chemicals that give me this feeling of anxiety, the physical feeling of anxiety. I can get, you know, my heart will speed up. I'll get cold, clammy hands. My mouth will get dry. I may get dizzy. This is the physical representation of this, this thought that I had. Okay. Now the reverse can happen. What I mean by that is you could actually be anxious, depressed, or stressed out because of something that's happening to you physically that you then mentally interpret as an emotion. So what I mean by that is, I'll give you a great example. Anxiety and excitement, physically speaking. On a chemical level, look the same. Yeah, physically look the same. Physically, you have the same speeding up of the heart rate, stress hormones go up, same chemical production, same cold, clammy hands, you know, whatever. One is excitement and one is anxiety, but physically they both feel exactly the same. The difference is how you perceive them. And so the reason why I'm communicating this is you may be having physical feelings of stress and anxiety that are the result of poor diet, lack of sleep, uh, poor health, that you then interpret as, oh man, I'm really fucking sad, which then creates this filter for which you look, you see the rest of the world through this filter of depression, stress, and anxiety because you're, you're, you're just reading these physical symptoms. So now, because my health is poor, now I look at you know this potential job opportunity as not an exciting thing, but as a stressful thing. I look at my marriage as, or my relationships as, I start to you know weigh more heavily on the negative stuff that happens in it versus more of the positive stuff. And they've done this in studies. You will start to see things as more negative because of the way your body physically is. So one of the most controllable things you have at your disposal is your physical health. So if you're an anxious, stressed out individual, yes, you can change your circumstances like your job, the people you hang out with, whatever, but you can also just make yourself healthy, get better sleep, exercise more and eat better. And that'll give your yourself, that'll give you the physical feedback of I'm calm. I feel like I can tackle things. I feel better. And then your filter will start to change and then you'll notice you'll be able to handle things better. This is why health, physical health is so important for these kinds of things is because it changes your mental state, just like your mental state can change your, your physical state. Um, and there are me- medications that can do that as well, right? You could take a benzo, which will calm you down artificially, which then make you feel like, oh, cool, I can handle things. There's alcohol and drugs that can do that. But there's also herbal remedies that that help with that, um, that are not as, you know, maybe detrimental to your health, but they can also become a crutch. Like you can use passion flower, which makes you feel more calm, but if you don't, fix the root cause. You're going to be taking fucking passion flower all the time and eventually your body might build up an, a tolerance. Um, I know uh, Organifi's gold juice is great for feeling, for giving you that physical sensation. And sometimes that's what you need, right? Sometimes you're like, man, I can't get out of this anxious space just because my body feels anxious. And it's a hard feedback loop. It's a positive feedback loop, right? So you, your physical be- feeling of anxiety, then it goes to your mental state, which makes you worry, which creates more of a physical response, which then creates more of a mental response. This is positive feedback loop. Sometimes you have to interrupt that. So like you could try like, you know, like the, the gold juice from Organifi is really good for that. You could drink that, you know, you know, you could do something else, you know, relaxing, get some sunlight or use like an infrared sauna. Right. So this is, that's what I do. So right now this has been, this is close to home for me because of everything that I've been going through. So, you know, I've never been somebody who's big on like 
mantras or chat or chants that you do or look yourself in the mirror like you'll never catch me do some weird shit like that but i do have these these moments of of gratitude that i i I force myself into when i feel depression or anxiety or stress or like that starting to come on and one of the things that i've uh, found that it's worked so awesome or has been great for me is you know i sit in this this sauna at our place now now that we have this thing and I'm by myself. It's completely quiet and peaceful. And I like doing it when I have these moments where I feel like that. And then the entire time that I'm in there, all I'm actually thinking about is not the shit that's negative stress and causing anxiety. I'm looking at all the things in my life that are positive. Like, what are all the things in my life that are good? Like, I've got good friends. I've got family around me. I've got coworkers that I absolutely love coming oh, cool. to work. You know what I'm saying? And so I start thinking you about- change the spotlight. Yeah, exactly. I just shift over. Like, no, okay, no doubt this side of my life, fucking sucks. I mean, this hormonally, this is the most challenging I've ever been in. I'm, I'm in some of the worst shape that I've ever been in. Like all I've, I'm hurt more than I've ever been in my life. Like all these things are like compounding and could add to all this stress and anxiety. But then what I do is like, I accept that like, fuck yeah, that all sucks. And it sucks to be in that situation, but it's not the end all. I've got all these other things in my life that are positive and feeding my soul in other ways. And I think learning to take the focus off of a lot of the things that because once I blew my Achilles, you know, there was a learning lesson there for me, what I should have done preventative heading into mm-hmm. that, but it's too late now. It's fucking happened, right? So instead of crying over spite, spilled milk, it's like I, I got my learning lesson from that. I've accepted it. Now I'm almost in a sense, I've got punished myself. I'm about to deal with this for the next two to three months of like rehabbing and getting out of it and getting back to myself, but moving on from that and not allowing it to weigh me down. And one of the ways that helps me is these moments of silence or meditation, however you want to wrap it up. But I've learned to find this like in the in the sauna or steam room and just sitting Dude. there and just being quiet with myself. Re- reframing is such a powerful, because if you're listening and you're thinking like, oh, that's, uh, you know, my problems are big. Like that's not a, that's not effective. No, no, no. Reframing is, or, you know, what Adam's talking about, focusing on the positive is extremely powerful. It's so powerful, in fact, that when you read books written by people who are in, incredibly difficult situations like the uh, Gulag Archipelago, which was uh, written by uh, a man who uh, was thrown in the gulags of uh, of Soviet Russia. I mean, for decades. And the gulags were just terrible, right? Terrible, terrible conditions. You read his story or you read about the stories of people who survived concentration camps Mm -hmm. or people who survived just horrible. One of the things that you do is you take and you reframe everything into smaller chunks. So you shrink your day. So if you're if you're in an extremely difficult situation, let's say you lost a family, uh, a loved one, which is very very difficult. Rather than thinking, you know, a week or two weeks or a month from now, just think an hour. Okay, here's my goal. Uh, in the next hour, I am going to do my laundry. I'm going to set that goal. I'm just going to focus on that for the next hour, and then you do it. And, oh, I feel good. Okay, this next hour, I am going to read two pages in this book. And literally shrinking your time frame and reframing the things you focus on makes such a massive difference in how you feel. I mean, look, the bottom line is we live in the best times in all of human history, and yet depression is through the roof. So it's, can you be depressed because your circumstances suck? Yes. Does a large percentage of how you feel have to do with just your own, you know, how aware you are or, or, or the framing you have or your opinion of things massively. Right. I mean, you 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 have a you know you could have a roof, you could have food, you could have all these different things, but you can still feel like life is meaningless and like you're and like you're depressed because you know maybe someone has more than you, or maybe you're focusing on all these bad things. So 
reframing makes a tremendous difference. So I think doing combining that with getting your physical health in order it, it will work wonders. You get your physical they health in order. They go hand in hand. Yeah. For sure. They go hand in hand. I mean, this is such a common conversation, I feel like, for us. Uh, at least in, for me. trainers? Yeah, man, I just, I don't know how many people that I had to change their mindset first before we ever got in shape. Like if you don't have the right- All the successful ones, that's how it works. Right, 100%. Otherwise, you can't just, you know, power your way through your health and fitness journey. At one point, you've got to learn to look look inside, reflect, and like you said, reframe. Next question is from FitM28. In episode 699, you talk about tracking. How do you recommend learning how to track without it becoming an eating disorder? Tracking is a very uh, powerful tool for learning about nutrition, learning about what is in food. In fact, if you're if you want to go to a place where you're intuitive eating or or you're progressing towards intuitive eating, this is where you have to go. You have to start. Maybe not have to, but it's. Highly recommended you start tracking you do. because you have to know proteins, you know, how many grams are in this, how many grams are in that, fats, uh, carbs. Besides that, you know, calories. But besides that, you also have to be able to take note of something, which then you can correspond to how you feel because right. you would be surprised how unaware you are of your food That's if you've it. never just tracked. Just being present for just that reason alone, yeah, like yeah. with your food and, and, and your eating process, like you, it forces you to pay attention. And, you know, just like with the whole biohacking community, I mean, really the, the, the value there is just being like super aware of what you're already doing, all of your habits and like how it's contributing to uh, the health and well-being of you going forward. It's It's something that you need to have as a, foundational uh sort of start so that way you can build upon that but that's right that's not where you want to stay i'm, I'm really glad that we you guys went this direction with this because i remember when we first came out with the intuitive guide and we were talking a lot about it on the podcast you know one of the things that i i really stressed and i, I was really nervous about was you know a lot of people listen to mind pump and they were going to hear this message of us talking about intuitive eating that I, I was afraid that it was going to give off this, oh, well, fuck it. I don't even want to track. Like Mind Pump says it's not healthy. You could have an eating disorder if you track your food. And that's kind of scared me a little bit because I don't want to send the wrong message to people when I truly believe that you know the tracking piece is such a crucial piece. And now, of course, there's always exceptions to the rule, but I would argue damn near everybody or a majority of people at one point should start should start there, should start there to figure things out. And I think really the goal is always to move away. And I still, I'm still doing this today. Okay. So this is why I'm so passionate about why I think everybody needs to track. And then I also think everybody needs to try and learn to do intuitive. So I kind of go through these phases of, you know, and I'm going through it right now where I'm starting to track again and see kind of where my baseline is. Cause I just came off of this injury. I'm now 36 years. I'm, a, I'm different. I'm different today than when I was 10 years ago when I was playing this game. So my my job is different. The amount of set how sedentary we are now. We fly all the time. Like I don't have the same convenience. Like a lot of things have changed. Therefore, for me, I'm back to the drawing board again, and I'm gonna track and pay attention. And then from there, I'll take all this compounding information that I have from all the other times that I've tracked and I've I've paid attention to my body and how it changes, and then I'll apply that. And then as soon as I feel like I I'm I've got it under control. I, I'm not tracking anymore. And then I'm kind of proving to myself, can I do this without tracking? And you know what? A lot of times it's inevitable. I fuck up 
or I get, you know, I'm not paying attention very much. And then all of a sudden I, I allow one or two things to become a habit in my life. And then I start to find my, my health and fitness starting to slide again. And then that's always a reminder for me. Well, let me get back to kind of tracking in my home base again. So I, I think that, you know, and I hope one day, and I feel like Sal is one of the few people I know that doesn't track his food and remains in relatively tip top shape year round. But for the rest of the, the people out there, that's really fucking tough to do. It, it's hard because you, you, people just don't, they don't know. They don't even think about what they put in their mouth. They don't they have no idea. I mean, you ask somebody, ask the average person, how many grams of protein do you average every day? No idea. Ask them, forget that. How many calories do you think you eat throughout the day? How many glasses of water do you have throughout the day? They just don't know. So tracking is just an objective way to measure those things. And let first. me tell you the ones that rattle off numbers and say they know, you know, every one of those people that, that, yeah, are off that I've made track. Like, okay, you, are you sure? Oh, I eat around 2,500 calories. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I they heard that that's what they're right. supposed or to Right, or they tracked one day, right? They tracked one day to see kind of where they're at. And then now they, it's, it reminds me too, like when people talk about their finances, like you had one good financial day, so you'd multiply that by 360 days a year. And that's supposedly how much money you make. Like, it's yeah, the same yeah, concept yeah, the, with people with their health and fitness. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know what it's like to eat healthy because I had a day. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. ate a day of tracking and paying attention. It's like, no. I bet you if you haven't been consistent with that, you'd be surprised how far off you are. That's right. And so here's the thing now. have Did eating disorders exist before tracking? Yes. Right. So uh, tracking isn't, doesn't, the, the cause of eating disorders, it's just a tool. That's all it is. It's a tool. Can it be misused? Absolutely. Uh, you can use it to become orthorexic as fuck where everything has to fit in your macros exactly where... You know, you're you're counting every single thing you put in your food and it becomes an obsession and it takes over your life. But that's not the problem with tracking. That's just the problem with, you know, a poor relationship with food. Tracking just can become a tool of that. Now, do you do I think you want do I think everybody should start tracking? At first, definitely. There's a lot to learn there. You're probably gonna be there for a little while, depending on the type of, you know, growth minded individual you are and how dedicated you are and how fast you progress. Do I think that's the destination, the end point? No. It shouldn't be. I mean, that doesn't sound like a good destination to be track for the rest of your life always. Right. Of course not. Like the goal should be to continuously learn about your body and it's not really learning about your body because let me explain. Your body's changing all the time. So when I say learn about your body, I think sometimes people get the the they get the they get confused and they think, oh, I'm gonna learn about my body. And then once I've figured it out, I have the answers. I'm gonna explore my body. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. They think, oh, once I once I figure my body out, I've learned it and that's it. I have all the answers. Well, no, your body changes. Right. Your body ages and your circumstances change. So it's not a lot too, by the way. A lot. It's, that's why I'm saying a like big fucking right now, even it's different for me right now than it was just four years ago. And four years ago, it was a huge difference for me what I was doing compared to seven, eight years ago. Yeah, it's 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 your body changes. So it's not really learning your body like it's this this answer key that you have that you figure out. It's learning how to learn about your body or learning the process of listening to your body. Once you once you become, as you become more and be, more and more effective at that, or you become better at reading the signals of your body, connecting how you respond, how you feel to what you eat and your sleep and all these different things, as you become more in tune to that, then you can, you, you know, you, your diet starts to reflect it. Now, when, you know, like, like Jessica, she's been, 
you know, we've been dating for two years. So it's really been about, I mean, she started her intuitive eating, you know, process way before that because she knew how to track and all that stuff. But really it, became, it went on fast forward when we started dating because this is something I've been doing for a while. And so now if she breaks out or if she feels a particular way, she's starting to be able to be like, oh, it's this, it's that. You know, oh, I can see now that peanuts do this to me or chocolate does this to me or when I drink alcohol, like she's, she's identified that drinking red wine causes sinus inflammation for her. She's connected that uh, peanuts cause skin issues for her and chocolate causes skin issues. That was a tough one because she loves chocolate. Um, but it's it's a process of listening how on how to listen to your body or learning how to listen to your body and that's and tracking is a tool it's a fucking part of it that it's, it's I think something objective I, I think the reason why we talked so much about it uh, turning into an eating disorder is personally from my experience right I brought to the show this this side or this perspective of what the bodybuilding culture looked like and it was it blew me away as it did I think the other gentleman in this room on when we started to look at holy shit there is actually more eating disorders going on within the bodybuilding community than there is outside in the average day. Well, I mean, it's all relative, percentage-wise, right? Yeah, there's a yeah. greater percentage. There's not more people because that's a small niche group, right? But there is there is definitely a poor relationship with tracking food because what, what you find in the competitive world is you're either on or off. You're either on, you're dialed, you're tracking, you're straight, and then it's like all of these guys and girls, when they get off, it's like, ah. Oh, Yep. I don't have to track. Mm. Fuck it all. Nuts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then they go nuts, and then they so then they feel like they always have to be getting ready for a show in order be, in order to keep themselves. They don't in, know what normal healthy is, right? It's so, either in season or off season. Which I, these are also the same people, and what I think why we came out and talked about this early on in Mind Pump was these are also with this whole new you know Instagram era. You know, we have a lot of these people that are presenting their physiques and how amazing they look during this this comp- uh, you know competition time. That are also giving out advice to all of these people, and I think that was a lot of you know the passion behind what yep. we are saying. With you know, be careful of tracking because that also don't can get be- stuck there. Right. Plus, plus consider this: the industry of uh, of muscle building and fitness and that kind of stuff. It, there's a bit of a self-selection bias there, right? Because people who are attracted to compete, uh, probably a larger percentage of them have body image issues anyway. So you've already got a dysfunctional, you know, a, a high level of dysfunction in that case, moving into a space that then encourages more dysfunction because you got to get super regimented with your diet and everything right. else. And you're being judged by your appearance, which you've already got issues with your appearance. <laughs> so it just feeds it even further. So, yeah, to make the claim that there's more eating disorders and issues with food and, and, and body image issues in fitness than in almost any other field except for maybe modeling and other fields that are similar, I 100%, but yeah, I, I would bet money on that for right. sure. Next question is from Brenda Farias 51 Do you think entrepreneurship is becoming the cool thing now? Seems like everyone wants to build a business. I almost hate using the term now. Because so it's so hot right now. It is so hot right yeah. now. You're so hot right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. A little Zoolander I'm reference an entrepreneur. Right there. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's become, it, it has become a very, but I mean, it's because of the time we're in. I mean, how cool is it that you could literally turn on one of these social media platforms, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, one of them, and whether it be through knowledge, through pictures, through entertainment, you can gain uh, a audience all over the world 
that are paying attention to you for whatever those those specific things you're talking about. And then you could turn around and build a legitimate solid business. That's a fucking really cool time to be an entrepreneur. It's exciting as hell. Yeah. That, I mean, that yeah. we, the, it's so it's so crazy that you see all these brick and mortars. I mean, I think the whole entrepreneurial landscape is going to look so fucking different Dude, in the next 10 years. Uh, 20 to 30 years ago, if you wanted to be an entrepreneur, this is what you did. You either got a loan or you borrowed money or maybe you saved a bunch of money because yeah. you wanted to open you up- in mom's basement. You had to open up a shop or a store or a location. You had to buy something for the most part. There were other businesses. You could do mail order and that, but you still had to invest a certain amount of money. So let's say- you're in fitness, you want to get in the fitness industry, you want to own your own business. You're going to, you probably 20, 30 years ago, eh, 30 to 50 to $60,000 back then to open up a store to st- maybe $10,000, right? To start something to go. And then you have to go through the regulations of your state and your city. Then you're limited to the people around you because you have a, a physical location. So what, entrepreneurship in the past had so many barriers to enter the market. There were all these barriers you had to jump. Like you need this much money to, st- to open a store. Right. You need to understand regulations and taxes and this and that. You need to be able to get, you know, uh, reach out to all, just to the local people around you. So you're limited on that. There's another barrier. Yeah. The barriers to enter the market now are so small. It's silly. Like to start a podcast, you need maybe 500 to 1500 uh, excuse me uh, uh, 500 to maybe 1500 dollars yeah. for equipment and you need a room and that's it you've well, got a business yeah and it's crazy and i know this this is like the new buzz term right the gig economy but it's it, it kind of helps to kind of define that there's so much opportunity out there now like you could literally just drive people around and make money uh right. there's just so many ways to make money now what does entrepreneur even mean like you know, for me, it's it's more like, do you own a business? Is it a profitable business? Like even more than startup used to be the new term yeah. everybody used, which was obnoxious as fuck. You know, it's just like, just I own a business or I don't own a business. You right. know, I'm raising money or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think what why I didn't like it is because it's kind of de- it used to be something that I was proud of, right? I was really proud to say I'm an entrepreneur because back yeah. when we started, back when I the first business I ever did almost 20 years ago. I mean, you're it, a risk taker, right? I was a risk taker. You yeah. were kind of like you, you were the rebel. Now you're like, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, even oh, though it's like a French Insta- word. So yeah, like, you have an Instagram. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sal, just, Sal just hit it right on the head yeah. right there. Like, oh, you're an entrepreneur. Oh, you mean you have an Instagram and a Twitter? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like t-shirts. Everybody, yeah, totally. everybody is an entrepreneur now. So it, it has kind of lost its luster to be to to say that you are an entrepreneur. But you've got more people trying. The barriers have dropped, and and the gener so. Our generation's heroes weren't these young kids who dropped out of college who started a business. When we were kids, our heroes were athletes, musicians, and movie stars. Today's heroes of kids are, if they are in entertainment, it's a YouTube star who's self-made. Right. Or, or these Gary Vee types. That's right. Or yeah. a podcast host. Or when you ask a kid today, a 20-year-old kid, like, name some of like the most influential people, like, Oh, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs. Like these are guys that, you know, uh, what's his name? Zuckerberg. These are guys that started when they were kids out of their basements and and, and started a business. So now it's cool to want to take risks and do that and combine that with the lower barrier to enter the market. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man. I, I think it's going to be, it's exciting. It's I think it's great. I think yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to change the landscape. For sure. You're going to see more failures, of course. Yeah. You see a lot more people try and fail because- 
just because the barriers to enter the market are lower, I think it doesn't mean it's all easier. I, I think it's changing too. What it looks like, I mean, even ourselves, like it's this, it's this race to be able to provide as much free content and information as you possibly can to your audience, so that you can get, you can gain their attraction. Well, don't you already see like the disruption of all this this old kind of formula, the way that even people talk and uh, carry themselves professionally anymore, and like. Uh, you know, in positions, obviously, see Trump, how he's destroyed what a president, you know, sounds like and looks like. And, um, you know, that on every end of being a business person, you know, like I'm, I'm not wearing a suit, you know, I'm not. Oh, I'm, are you, I don't, you, I don't said, like care if I say fuck, you know, did like, someone just drop Gary V. I mean, that's a yeah. perfect that's a yeah. perfect example of that. Dude, when's, the, when's the last? <laughs> did, oh, you didn't say did. it. No, oh, it wasn't. No, me. You said Gary V. No, no, I, I didn't. I, mention oh, it. Okay. Yeah, 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 it must have been Justin. I was or rewind it. Well, his. Yeah, no, it wasn't. But I mean, I'm a fan of everything that he's doing. And I think that that's a, he's a classic example. I mean, when's the last time you've seen? Uh, I mean, in our generation, our earlier years, twenty years ago, a multi-millionaire dude walking around with a beanie on his head, talking to you know, using the f bomb and so like that. I mean, it's definitely completely yeah. flipped on its, its totally head. Different, yeah. It's made it competitive, and I think it's I think it's a good time. I think it's a good time to be a quote unquote uh, entrepreneur right now, but. Because the entry is so low to get in, and because it, it, there's so many opportunities for people, I also think it's become extremely competitive, and you see a lot of failures. Yeah, a lot, a lot of failures, of and a lot of people never really getting off the ground. But you know what? I don't. Here's a, in the past, it, when you failed, if you started a business 20 or 30 years ago, right, right. most businesses failed within the first like two years. I think it's like 70 something percent within no, the first two that. years. It's hard. That's over 80. 80. Okay. And then after like five years, it's like 90 percent, something like that, right? You probably lost, you know, tens of thousands or a hundred thousand yeah. dollars lost. Yeah. Like that's it. You know, right. I've look, I've well, had business. I gave it a good go. I've had businesses that have failed. Yeah. I've lost a lot of money doing that, right? Yeah. Today, it's time. You lose time. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're losing as much money today when you start a, a business because the barrier to enter the market is so low. Like again, if you want to start a podcast, it might cost you a thousand dollars of equipment as long as you have a decent room to record in, and you'll have a podcast that sounds incredible. Now, give yourself some time, maybe a year to build that podcast. But if it doesn't succeed, you've lost time. You now, lost- don't you think that there's there's kind of an illusion that's been created too that I think is is false that you see because of these social media platforms, before mediums like podcasting, like YouTube, like Instagram, they're a part of that strategy. You still you still see a lot of these fake it to your you make it. And so I think it puts out this perception for this younger generation that's coming up. They see these guys like, oh man, I want to be just like, you know, Mind Pump Justin and he's yeah. he's my hero and I'm into Star Wars and he started a <laughs> podcast and, you know, look how successful he is, you know, so I mean, and they, I mean, it's quite the shoes to fill. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but my point is that you know, nobody sees the behind the scenes shit. Nobody even knows what we really pay ourselves with this company and stuff like that. Nobody knows those. You don't know that shit. Yeah. And, it, and it's nowhere near as glamorous as like everybody likes to make it on fucking Instagram. You know, every, all you see is the flashy They'll shit. Get weeded out. Yeah, no, I read it out real fast. But what, but what, it, what I think it's causing is it's causing so many people to rush into it, thinking sure. that it's just so easy. I got to turn this social media yeah. platform on or turn this podcast on, and then I should be. Well, hey, man, if 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 we weren't all entrepreneurial minded individuals, Mind Pump wouldn't be here because we didn't make a dime for a year, yeah. well, longer than a year. We didn't longer. make a dime. So for a year, yeah, we didn't make a quarter for yeah, another year. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. We didn't make shit. So we literally, 
worked for basically two years uh, for free a lot. Yeah. A lot. And we still pay ourselves very little compared to, you know, what we what we should or could or whatever because we see that we're that's that that's that mindset, right? That you have to have. So yeah, there's gonna be a lot of failures for sure. But luckily they're not the the I, the barriers are low. So what I think of this is what I think of. I think there's some kid in some inner city who's you know poor. Maybe he's got a single mom or single dad, and he or she is like brilliant, but they just don't have the capital to start a business the old school way. But because the barriers at the end of the market are so low now, they can fucking enter the market. Yeah. They've got that mindset and they can succeed. And that's what I like about it. I like it that the new landscape has opened up for way more people and that that is better for everybody. Yeah, and think about like people that had like ridiculously awesome ideas but they just weren't funded or they didn't have access, you know, to be able to yep. present it. Yep. So now there's there's that. Yeah, def for sure. This is why too I don't hate on companies like I mean we used to talk shit about shreds but it, it, it by no means was it hate, you know what I'm saying? I think the model that they built was they paved the way for so many of these people on sure. on Instagram now how to monetize and to do it that way. I mean, they really set out the blueprints for many, many people later. And I think we're evolving it and it's getting better already. So I don't know. It's such a, it's such a cool time to be trying to build a business right now. I, I've had more fun building this business than almost any other business that I've ever done, bar none. I mean, by, so, so by, fun. Yeah. Next up is Smith SD. How did you guys meet your current significant other? Well, Justin was just sharing this the other day on the podcast. I did. Yeah. yeah. Was it just recently? Yeah. I it was feel like it was like, yeah, one or two ago. At the gym, yeah. So I was that you guy. Cold called her. Yeah, I cold <laughs> called her. I had this list uh, that Adam actually gave me, and it was like, you know, sort of proving grounds. Which like, is so yeah, weird. I didn't book to be the best man after that. I thought, what the fuck, bro? I'm yeah, like, at least got you were at assist, my wedding. The assist you know was for me, dude. How do I not get in the in the wedding, dude? We weren't we weren't deep enough then. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess that wasn't it. Yeah, yeah. So I I mean I called her and and got her in, and it was it was one of those things I. <clears throat> you you just hit it off as far as a rapport goes, and so was it like love at first sight for you? Was it one of those, mm-hmm. or was it more like I don't oh. know? I was very infatuated, like I, I was very curious, like <laughs> what I was like, wow, I wonder where this is gonna go, you know? And uh, nothing was crossing her mind at all, <laughs> so it was completely a, a hard sell the uh, the entire way through. But yeah, that was where it all started, man. And and I, I went through some barriers. She had a boyfriend at the time. The guy was a total asshole. And uh, were you know, her we shoulder in, to cry up a little like, bit? A <laughs> like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's terrible. What for a jerk! You. Here, let me spot like, you doing yeah. squats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I made an inappropriate comment to her one time. She's wearing these shorts and uh, she texts like what time she was supposed to come in the next day. And I was like, please wear those shorts. I was like, I appreciate those shorts from today. Oh, or did you regret it? Yeah. At first it she was, she was got weirded out, but I think she liked it. Okay. Of yeah, course, yeah, obviously yeah. she did. Yeah, she, yeah. yeah that was a risk. Though. What if she? That did was it? a high risk. Well, I wish but, she was here right now. She's like, you know, yeah. actually, I almost never came back because of that comment. Yeah, <laughs> that I had yeah, I almost ruined it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, could happen. What was that first like session like? Were you just were you kind of flirting and not even realizing you were trying to flirt or? Yeah, it was a little awkward. I mean, at that time, I was a little more. I came straight from Chicago, so I was a little bit like out of shape, you know. And uh, I remember that because I, <laughs> she remembers it vividly that when I was bending over to grab something, like I had totally showed butt crack. And, <laughs> no, <laughs> she told me that later. I was like, oh, mortified, you know. And so that was like my first impression. I wasn't giving off a, ah, dude, a whole butt lot of crack. Vibes. You almost shit your pants in front of her. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. That's when you knew, I bro. Threw it all out there, this man. Is 
wifey right. This is yeah, wifey exactly. material right here. She ain't going away after all this shit. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was saying. I was like, wow, this is going great. I've been <laughs> throwing all my worst at her. Do She's you still around? Do you remember some of the like the first things that uh, when you guys were first kind of dating or getting to know each other that like stood out to you that what where she was so different than any other woman that you had dated before? Yeah, I think it was it was partially it was her loyalty uh, and just the way that her caring nature, like her grandma uh, at the time was like going through a bunch and was sick and uh, she would make special trips and like to go get her food and like like when I finally got her to date and and go out on dates with me like we actually would go out with her grandma and we'd go shopping with her and we'd do stuff it was just like I just knew like that type of um I don't know the way that she cared about people was like super attractive Dude, that is that is such a it's to a to a relationship oriented man because obviously, if you just want to have sex, you would be like, "Oh, we're gonna hang out with your grandma." Yeah. But to a relationship-oriented man, that is a huge turn-on that you that a woman is uh, nurturing and caring for. What it's an instinctual thing, I think. Yeah, it was weird. It was like, yeah, I mean, it was that, and like she was just witty, you know, like she she'd throw it right back at me because I would give her some jabs and stuff, and she was just like totally sharp and. Uh, yeah, that was that was those two things were huge for you me. You would think it's biologically advantageous for you to want somebody. Of course, that's, you know what I'm yeah. saying. Like, you, of course, right that's away, why. As, as a man, subconsciously, you're thinking like, "Oh, this is the woman who could take care of my kids," and this and that. You probably that's probably going yeah, on. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking that far in the future, but totally now in retrospect, yeah, oh, that's the sure. whole stereotype where they say, "Oh, you know, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach by cooking for him." That's part of it. You yeah. know, it's that whole nurturing, like, and it's true, man. You ever have a a woman do something like that for you? Automatically, you're like, oh. I, I think I like you a lot. Yeah. Right, right. This is awesome. What about you, Sal? So I, so I first, I didn't really meet Jessica at first, but I saw her. So I had my wellness facility. I had sold it um, because we were doing mind pump and I knew that at some point that was all we were going to do. We weren't monetizing really at all. We weren't, actually, we weren't monetizing at all. So we weren't paying ourselves anything, but I knew that was direction. So I sold the, the facility to a, a trainer that worked under me who was kind of like my top trainer. But after I sold it, she allowed me to continue training there and paying her rent because again, I wasn't making money. So I needed to make money at this time. Uh, you know, over the past, you know, five years or whatever was a slow decline of my marriage. And it was just, it was, ter- it was terrible. It was really, really bad. No communication. It was like strangers in the same house. And so it was just really bad. I'm at work just doing my job. I'd come to Mind Pump, do that, go home, try and hang out with my kids. And, you know, it was just, it, it, I knew the direction it was going. At this time, I remember I came to work one day and there was someone sitting at the front desk with their back facing me, but it was someone different. It's a small studio. I knew everybody that was in there. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's a new person, whatever. But they were really like, they were like nose deep in a book. They were just, their head was down. I could see the book and they were reading. So I was like, okay. So I ignored them and I went and trained my client. So as I'm training my client, every once in a while, I would look over to see who this new person was. I couldn't figure out if it was a client of one of the trainers that was new or if it was a new trainer that was there uh, because maybe the new person that owned the facility brought a new trainer on board, had no idea. So every once in a while, I'd look over and I looked over this one moment and she looked up and I think she was looking up at the clock and she had these glasses on and I right away I'm like oh she's pretty (laughs) yeah well that's a that's a pretty girl is she working here okay that's interesting but keep in mind the state of mind that I'm in that my my marriage is for sure ending my state of mind I did not I wasn't trying to check out women or that was actually the last thing in my mind 
the first thing on my mind was, how am I going to survive this? And I just want to take care of my kids and I just want to do a good job with my work. Like I, I want to be able to, I don't want to collapse because you could feel the way I could feel the weight like, Oh fuck, this could destroy me. So I had no intentions of dating or any, I don't want to add any fucking extra to my life at all. But I did notice this pretty girl who was fucking reading a book so deeply that she didn't even pay attention to anybody around her. So that was the first time that I saw her. Uh, fast forward, maybe a few weeks later, um, I, I, I ran into Jessica a couple other times and just said hi to her small, short conversation. And, uh, you know, she was reading again. I looked at the book she was reading. I can't remember what it was, but it was a really like deep book. I'm like, Oh, you going to school right now? And she's like, Oh no, I'm, you know, just something I'm reading. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like she's reading that for fun. That's kind of cool. So I said, Hey, if you're into like learning about things, I have a podcast. And at the time, you know, we all had done this thing where we were like, listen, if you find somebody with a phone, grab their phone right. and and subscribe them to Mind Pump because we want to download. So just fucking oh, do it yeah. for them. I remember we were on that. So I said, hey, let me see I your- I forgot about those. I said, do you listen to podcasts? She's like, no, not really. She's like, how do you do that? And I'm like, let me see your phone. So I took her phone and I subscribed her to Mind Pump. And then I told her, listen, if you leave us a review and everybody likes it, you'll get a free t-shirt. So if you win, you'll get a t-shirt and you have a good chance of doing it. <laughs> it's totally get, soliciting. Just hustling. Right. Oh, I was closing. I was just closing, right? Yeah. She's like, okay. So she takes the phone. Little did I know, she became a huge fan of the show. So she started, she listened to one. So this is her telling me. She listened to one episode and then she started just listening to these episodes back to back and really enjoyed them. In fact, she became nervous. Later on, she told me she was nervous working around me because she thought that I would judge her training because I'm this, you know, that, oh, I, no. the stuff that we talk about on the show. But anyway, so she's doing this, and uh, there was one discussion we had where she was talking to me about, about carbs, and she's like, all carbs are bad. And I'm like, well, not really. I mean, depends on the context. And we had this like discussion or debate, but she was very like strong with her opinion and very smart. She wasn't like super stubborn, but she was very smart. And I told her, I said, wow, I said, you're really opinionated. And she got offended, like, excuse me? I'm like, no, 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 that's not a, I'm not giving you an insult. I'm just saying that you have strong opinions. That's kind of cool. So that was all that. Fast forward, maybe another week later, I left my, my house. So that was it. Marriage was done. I left and I had my bag with me. I was going to go stay with my brother. But before I did that, I actually came to the gym because I needed some space to be quiet. So I'm at the gym uh, at my gym or my old gym, you know, lights are on. I'm just sitting there just thinking I have my suitcase there and it's fucking, I don't know, nine o'clock at night. Jessica walks in and I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, oh, she's like, well, I met someone here to go on a date and I saw the lights on. So I just came inside and she's like, and he stood me up or whatever. So I'm like, oh, cool. So we had this great conversation and I told her I left the house and we had this great conversation and so we kind of became friends and then I, then we set up a time to hang out with a bunch of friends and then that's when I, I just, those, we sat down, we talked for five or six hours till like four o'clock in the morning, totally fell in love with her at that moment and then told myself I would never contact her again. I could not have a relationship and she called me the next day. So she was, she's the first, she called me back and then that was it. We just started dating right Rest there. was history. That's it. But it was Boom. definitely one of those like lightning bolt, <laughs> like I can't. Like I have, okay, I got to, yeah, I got to give into yeah, this cause yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't deny it. I remember that time, dude. I remember you going yep. through all that. Uh, you know, I don't think I've shared, I've shared like bits and pieces of Katrina and I's story. Um, I think on an interview that where I got interviewed somewhere, I don't remember which one I got a little bit deeper into it, but on here, I don't think I've shared, like I actually met Katrina before 
way before we even did business together and way before we even uh, even thought about even conversing or talking or dating. Um, she used to come into our gym. And in fact, she remembers us playing basketball against each other. I don't remember that because she played ball. And uh, so supposedly she remembers years before we even got together of playing basketball together in the gym. Where I do remember her was I had a girlfriend at the time. So I had a girlfriend that I was with for two years at that time or right around that time. And I had a good friend of mine, Paulo, really smart dude, good looking. He's an ex-model, just a, a good ass dude. And I remember seeing the kind of the girls that he'd kind of bring around a date and be like, dude, when are you going to date a girl like a woman at your level or above, dude, that's just going to, I could see you with for a long time. You keep dating all these little cute girls that you end up, and I, and what I saw, I saw myself in him because this was my MO. I used to date girls with the sign on the back that said fucking help me you know what i'm saying like i love being You're the f- captain yeah I like being the father figure and captain the teacher so i i dated a lot even though i dated some girls that were older than me i i i went after these the the women that i i needed to fix right and this is me obviously reflecting as i'm older looking back now i didn't yeah. know what the fuck i was doing back then but i could see this in my buddy and he's uh talking to this girl and it's Katrina. And I don't know I don't know who she is at the time. And he's kind of telling me about her. And I'm like, dude, this girl sounds fucking cool, man. And she comes in one day and she drops him off. I think she dropped him off food or dropped him off like something nice. I don't remember what it was. But I, that was the first time I met her. And I said, oh, hi. I introduced myself. And I saw she was gorgeous. And I'm talking to him. And I'm like, dude, you need to, like, this is the type of girl you need to be with. And I'm in a happy relationship. So I'm thinking, like, you know, double dating. Here's my buddy. Like, let's, yeah, let's in fact, up, dude. we went on a double date together. So I was with my girlfriend at the time. And Paulo was with Katrina. And I this so that was the first time that we actually really met. And what a lot of people don't know, Katrina knows this now, but... Uh, Paulo as, as good look he was he was so good looking that his he got all the women from how good we'd go to a bar together like the two of us together good and the the hottest chicks in the in the place would come talk to us and I remember like teasing him all the time because he used to talk like he had big like he had all this game you know like oh man he's all every no matter what we go to the bar super the, hard for you yeah, yeah. right yeah. exactly so that was I was like yeah dude I don't know how much game you have or that yeah. you're just fucking gorgeous bro right <laughs> you're, just, you're just fucking gorgeous yeah. and, and you, you're that yeah. he's tall he's good looking he's a model you know what I'm saying so I, I remember seeing that and when he was talking to Katrina, he would always like show me the text messages that she was saying, Hey, she just said this, you know, what should I say? And so I would give him the stuff to say back to her. <laughs> so a lot of the, the conversation that him and her had all the time was really me sitting next to him going like, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Say this. You know, no, 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 no. Don't say this. Say this. Right. <laughs> yeah. So later on, this was found out like when Katrina and I had been together for a really long time, but that was originally how I, I met and first saw Katrina and I knew, and then they, they ended up not dating. You know, they were only dated for a short, real short window, like two months or so. And they just went their separate ways. And he in fact got back with his ex-girlfriend at that time. And so he kind of went back to his old patterns and she had, uh, she'd moved on doing her own thing. But what I did know when I, the short time that I did meet her, I knew that she owned this massage clinic. And so at this time in my career, I've now, this is fast forwarding, you know, probably about six months later, maybe even a year, I'm opening up the cannabis clubs. And once those things get up and rolling, one of the things that was common to do is to offer like these free services to your, your patients or your guests. You know, I'd have this long line of people waiting in my lobby. And so one of the things I would do to drive traffic to my facility, I was one of the first facilities to ever do this 
was to, I had these chair massages. So you come in this lobby. And so while you're waiting in line, because we were, we were busing that many people through this place that you could see, you'd sometimes have to wait in this lobby for 20, 30 minutes before you could go in and buy your cannabis. We all experienced this together just recently. We had to wait in this long line. Imagine if you guys were sitting down with a chair, getting a nice chair massage, mm-hmm. waiting for your, your next turn to go up. So I did this, right? Well, I went to her company to provide these services. And at that time, uh, she's single, but I'm I'm still dating uh, my girlfriend at the time. And so we actually just had this kind of friendship, business slash friendship. Her company was providing a service to my company. Uh, once, I believe once a month we met to get for me to pay up what I owed her and kind of go over. Like we were kind of changing the service and the hours and the people. And so, you know, every time I go down to her office, we'd sit down and we'd, we'd chat and we'd talk business and, you know, I, I, it was the first girl in my life that I, I started to fall in love with her at her mind and our connection and relationship over the physical aspect. Like every other relationship in my life, the hot chick that I see introduce myself. Oh, and we hit it off. She's funny. We're cool. We get along. We have fun. We're into the same things. Like, oh yeah, you're a girlfriend of mine. Like that was kind of like my my past well this was the first time it was much deeper much much deeper and in fact like i didn't have like people ask was oh was it love at first sight like no it wasn't love at first sight shit i was trying to hook her up with my buddy i'm <laughs> saying like it wasn't like that at all but as i got to know her i became very attracted to a lot of these qualities that i found in her that i never found in anybody else and so what we st- we you know we'd meet up and Every time we meet up to do business, I'd start to give her like books that I was reading and quotes, or she'd share with me what she was reading. We'd share quotes back and forth. And I started to build this relationship with her that I never had with anybody else. And then I was single. And then all of a sudden, my relationship ended that with this girl. Meanwhile, like Katrina and I didn't have any sort of, you know, real flirting. We're very, which is also why I was attracted to her. I was very attracted that, and I knew when I went into the the massage clinic. So I, part of the deal we had was I had free massages that I could come in and get massages whenever I wanted. And all the girls in there, they would all fight over with who's going to rub me down and stuff like that. Who's going to massage Adam? And, come in. and Katrina never massaged me. So she wasn't touching me. She was the business owner. She was all business with me. And so, you know, all the girls would be, you could hear them giggling and shit when I come in and you'd hear the gossip and shit. But she was never like that with me. She was always super professional and that attracted to me. I was very attracted to her for that reason. And so when I became single, you know, now I was interested. Now I was like, okay, well, I'd like to hang out. And we started hanging out. And she was, again, another first for me. You know, one of the first girls I ever hung out with quite a few times. And we didn't do, we didn't have any phys- real physical contact. And I remember the first, and she hates me telling this story because she thinks it's such a bad example. But I, it was a, it, the, when, I, when I think of the time where I was like, I love this woman, like this is the girl that I want to ride or die with. It, it was when we were celebrating uh, an event one time and uh, I, I rented this stretch 20 person limo. We were heading up to San Francisco. I think we were just celebrating a milestone with the company. I think we just hit a new revenue target or whatever. And so, you know, money was starting to come in. It was good times for us. And I was going out to celebrate. I'm totally single at this time. Katrina's single at this time. I'm talking, and whenever I'm single, I'm talking to a handful of girls at a time. And I'm going to go out to San Francisco with my best friend. And we're, we've rented a VIP booth and we're going to take the limo up there and party all the way there, party all the way back. And of course, him and I are going to load it full of girls. I mean, that was, it'd be silly to load it full of dudes and go up there. So, you know, I had three or waste. Yeah, right. I had, I had three or four girls that I was bringing. He was bringing three or four girls and we were heading up there. And I thought, you know what? 
I fucking really like Katrina. Like I love hanging out with her. We've connected, but we hadn't had anything physical yet. And I'm thinking to myself like, you know what? Let's see how fucking cool this chick is. And I remember calling her up and saying, hey, you want to come with me? And she's like, okay, cool. That sounds fun. And I said, but I have to tell you, I have to be very straightforward with you and tell you that I'm bringing, you know, three other girls there that I, that I'm pretty sure want to sleep with me. Like I've been flirting with them. I'm talking to them so that I haven't slept with any of them. But I'm pretty sure they want to. And I've now invited them to go out tonight. So it just, and she kind of like laughed and there was like this little moment of silence. And she tells the story really well too from her end because she's like, I've never had somebody tell me, say that, like just bluntly come out. Yeah. Like, the, and, and the normal for a guy would be just don't say anything about it. And then, you know, hopefully you end up going home <laughs> with one of them, right? Yeah. But that wasn't my approach at all. My approach was I'm going to be fucking radically honest. The girl that I'm, I'm, at, I'm now, like, I'm in my, I'm 30 years old now. I'm not a fucking spring chicken anymore. And I realized that the girl that I want to be with, she's going to respect my honesty over maybe exactly what my decisions. Like, I'm not always going to make the best decisions in my life, but if I can be honest with where I'm coming from, I want to be able to be with a partner that respects that. And that's how she handled it. She was just like, no big deal about it. And she came. And let me tell you, those girls were all over me in the limo and everything. She was cool. And she was cool. And she never acted jealous about it. She never tried to like fight for the other girls were kind of fighting for my time. Whenever they find me on the dance floor, one would sneak up behind me and start dancing with me. And anytime they could get alone time, they were all being competitive with each other. Katrina was doing her own thing. You know, she was fine. She was having a blast at the place. Like I'd come over, talk to her. She'd go off and do her own thing. And I was incredibly attracted to that. And to see that it did not waver her whatsoever. Mm -hmm. There was no hint of jealousy. Yeah, that's when you when you can connect with someone on a deep level, you have the base for a long term relationship because at some point, I don't care how fit and healthy you are, you get old. At some point, shit's gonna happen. And if it's if it's not based Somebody's on gotta change your diapers. Yeah. If mm-hmm. some if it's not based on that deep, deep, deep level, then you know what, you know our looks are fading, bro. bro no matter how much you want to I want to believe, I want to keep myself looking I'll, twenty. I'll gonna... tell you what, man. Like you know, there could be something about Jessica that she hates about herself, but I'll find it charming because it's a part of her. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you connect deeper on someone. So I could imagine totally being attracted to this woman at the age of 80. You know what I'm saying? Because you're connected on such a deep level. So lessons you learn as a, as a, as a man as you it's age, right? It's also why I think it's, man, and I, and I know we have listeners that have been married since they were young, and I think, you know, more power to you, but I think you're a very, very rare, rare, rare person if you have it all together at that young age and can actually find a partner that is on your level. And you and, and the reason why- I think you can, but you both have to be so growth-minded and willing to grow together. Right. Mm-hmm. If, you don't, if you're not both in that same boat, and then if resentment builds up, I'm an expert on this, okay, because I've, I did it for 15 years. If resentment starts to build up and in one of or or both sides of the party of the of the relationship are is not willing to go in and dive in deep with their own issues. Um, in other words, both people are not totally invested in wanting to to figure things out and work things out and be growth minded. That resentment builds, and you add years to that, and then it becomes unsolvable. Well, I feel like the first, like yep. you know, our our early twenties, like tw- you know, eighteen to twenty five, is is centered around a lot of fun and partying and making money and kind of finding your way and shit. And it's like not a lot of it's spent on really diving into your own personal values and like who, what what you what do you want and like who the fuck are you? You know, what I'm saying like you're so caught up in running running with everybody else. 
that you, you don't really take the time to really evaluate like, you know, what are what are my non-negotiables or what are the traits that I must have in a partnership? And it's hard to do that when you still don't even fully know yourself. I mean, I talk all aware, self-aware right now about myself, but fuck, when I was going through that, I was running blind. If you asked me what my, what my, you know, the girl I wanted to be with, I'd rattle off all these things, like the way she looked or what she's into or the things that we like, like totally different than the way I feel now. And I think part of that is just, you know, giving yourself time to really find out about yourself before you dive into this lifelong. It takes marriage. reps, man. <laughs> Multiple people. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> There's my advice for it. Uh, so if you go to the, uh, the app store on your phone, you can get the Mind Pump Media app for free. And it's free. And you will be able to get uh, to listen to our show, but also search topics of, on all of our episodes. We've got like 750 or something episodes. So it's free. Go get it. Mind Pump Media app. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>